All right, welcome everybody to another episode of the Break the Rules stream. I am your host, Lev Polyakov, Lev Po on Twitter, and it is a great pleasure for me to finally have at least the first half of the episode where we talk about Sonic the Hedgehog for Free for All Friday. And I have a wonderful panel here tonight. We have some uh, wonderful oldcomers as well as newcomers, including TJ Davis, who did the vocals for Sonic R. Now, I know there's a divided consensus among, you know, whether, you know, how people... Uh, take the game but the vocals i think are absolutely outstanding i've loved listening to them ever since i was like 10 years old or i remember how old i was when i played that game on the sega saturn but either I way love that one excellent yes game. excellent game and uh we also have metaphor man back with us but for the first time revealing his uh, handsome face and the beautiful hound that is behind him over here i just want to do a spotlight look at that <laughs> look he's reacting to uh me calling attention there we Aww. go you should know is yeah yeah yes <laughs> and uh we also have over here uh a newcomer and Tom 64. Now, Yo. you guys don't know this, but I grew up watching, well, grew up, but like in my post college 20s, I used to love nothing more than turning on YouTube while I was eating and watching N Tom 64 playing Sonic Unleashed. So, mm. Tom 64 it is a great pleasure to finally have you here. I was always oh. a big fan of yours. So, uh, thank you so thank much you. for coming in. And oh, we also, to be and we also, we also have uh, Hotep Sophia coming back. Again, thank you so much, Hotep Sophia, for coming back in. I love hey, you, everybody. and it's great to see you. <laughs> hey, and so of course, and of course, we have Remus. Luke Valentine is back. We have Charles Khan. We Hell have yeah. Menace, aka Apple Dog, lives. So I want to start this out with our guest of honor, T.J. Davis. Mm -hmm. T.J. You are you are incredible. You have the gift of the uh, heavenly vocal cords uh, of the Euro pop persuasion. I don't know how else <laughs> like what what specific style you would classify uh, that music as. But either way, can you tell us a little bit about how you got started and how you got introduced to Richard Jake, Sonic R, and just your whole uh, your whole career from there? Yeah, well, I'd, I've been working with um, a pop band called D-Ream, um, which were very big in the 90s in England at the time. Mm. Um, and uh, the percussionist, um, it was the percussionist girlfriend, actually, went to college with Richard. And he was looking for a singer to demo some of the songs for um, Sega. And they had a couple of ideas what they wanted to do for the game. And she put me forward for it. I went to meet him at the Sega offices. And he said, why don't we just try, you know, we'll try a couple of songs. And the first one I did was um, Supersonic Racing, just a demo. Um, and they sent it over to Japan and they loved it. And I, I wasn't sure whether anything was going to come of it, to be honest, because I thought they might go for a name, you know, somebody already with a, a famous name to do the, do the tracks. Um, but thankfully, they liked me and they liked my vocal and they loved what Richard was doing. And so then we did the whole... The whole game which was wonderful it was, it was mm. great. so that was a really nice thing to get definitely how were the uh, tracks composed originally like were there certain ideas of the levels and then the music came or uh, how did that whole thing work out um I, it's probably more a question for richard um because a lot of the track i mean the tracks were pretty much done by the time i met him anyway um, as far as I know, he was very aware of all the levels with the games and what he was going to do. I mean, we'd sometimes when we were recording, we'd have the actual, so I could have an idea of, of the, the pace and the tempo of the songs as we were doing it. So, um, 
you know, we'd have the game running at the same time. So, you know, you, you sort of then it makes you sing punchier, if you like, when you're watching this little hedgehog run around. <laughs> um, and just the race, 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 you know. And I, I did actually all do, I did all the, you know, the go, go, go and uh, all those as well for the game. And uh, when it comes to the levels, do you have a favorite? Well, first, do you have a favorite track? Um, I've got a few people ask me this, actually. I mean, I, I know everybody loves Can You Feel the Sunshine. Um, that's, I, I probably, I mean, that's one that you really remember from it. Um, but I think probably Living in the City. And I know that's, that's one that of my favorite. That one's my favorite. Well. Mm. I, I think my favorite is, well, I like Radical City. I mean, they're they're all great. Uh, the one the one thing that has really stuck with me is uh, just this positive positivity. I mean, even the lyrics, you know, talk about "Can you feel the sunshine?" Wait, hold on. I'm gonna. I cannot believe I memorized it before. I do not remember it right now. Can you feel the sunshine? Does it bright? Doesn't it brighten up your day? Don't you feel that sometimes you just need to run away? So what does that mean, run away? Because if the sun's already shining, why run away? Wouldn't you just stand there and appreciate the sunshine? That's going with the game. It's a whole racing game, isn't it? That's what it is. Yeah. Also, we're British. We explode under natural sunlight. (laughs) Like vampires. That's so true. And I love just how much rhyming there is in there. Like, I'm not one of these snobs when it comes to like, oh, there's too much rhyming. It's like, without you, there's nothing for me to do. Can you feel the sunshine too? It's coming through. It makes oh me feel gosh. brand new. And then when you're... Wait, well, when obviously you're the sun he- love is related to the... Uh, it's related to the alchemical uh, property of Saul. And so that is potentially the uh you know the sun is like this gnostic metaphor within sonic. Ah. yeah i figured it was egyptian uh, i thought they were <laughs> worshiping raw the sun god that was what it was all about oh i think it's well it's all connected like in my esoteric sonic i guess we might as well go into it right since we started talking <laughs> yeah. about this but uh anyway for those who are not aware if you go to my twitter twitter.com slash lovepo in fact i'm gonna post it over here in the btr chat for everybody if you okay. go into my pinned post it and follow me on twitter once again if you go into my pinned post it is this esoteric history of sonic the hedgehog which few people know about so in fact i'm going to uh Make in fact, exactly set. one person knew about it because he came up with all. So this, so this is the first one over here. So you see Sonic <laughs> pointing the finger up. This is it, like one of those like export schizographs <laughs> that someone came up with. I genuinely love that somebody had this. That somebody figured this out. Somebody understood that, the symbols. That somebody is left. That oh, somebody is left. So this is in ancient Egypt. Uh no, or, or it, wait, no, it was Mesopotamian like the well, Mesopotamia, Mesopotamia, Iran. It was important for Iran. In fact, I wrote it down over here that the hedgehog was considered to be a sacred animal for the Zoroastrians because the hedgehogs killed a lot of the vermin. And when mm, you think yeah. about uh-huh. certain uh, certain badniks that Sonic ends up fighting, the jerk you know, No, oh. sorry, I'm getting franchises wrong. That's well, Sonic. That's we'll get there eventually. All related <laughs> we'll get there eventually hey, but, you let, know, we'll like, get there let's a lot the of bad okay, so, really are a lot of vermin aren't they oh my yeah, god I mean, when have... i was a kid i played sonic 2 on the sega genesis my my cousin gave me um a sega genesis and that's like i remember playing i remember like just the voice the sounds like 
like and then like in the between the 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 buffer music in between the uh the rounds or whatever like that oh man hmm. well the first oh. badnik is this uh ladybug over in that uh, is it a ladybug um yeah, like, i'd say so uh, that's yeah. gotta be a ladybug some sort yeah. of beetle but it yeah. mostly looks like a ladybug. motobug that's it. an aphid of some sort yes, yes. and <laughs> they even they even <laughs> made a special insect. they even made a special edit of uh sonic where you get to play as this guy because this yes. was the very first bad nick that sonic ended up uh clashing against in green hill zone but uh basically what i write over here is about how these uh bad nicks over here so they represent the souls which are trapped in darkness and according to the avesta which is the sacred text of zoroastrianism eventually there's going to be a good versus evil clash and good wins and then all the souls that are trapped in darkness will be released so as far as even our conception of good and evil i think a lot of it oh has to uh go back to zoroastrianism because when we had the uh jewish people who were um uh taken away from uh israel and brought into uh the uh, you know babylon in the, you know, the babylonian captivity there was a lot of Zoroastrianism that was being spread around at the time, along with the other mainstaying religions of Babylon. And I think they got attracted to Zoroastrianism and adapted this aspect of uh, dualism, of good versus evil, into their, um, you know, into their identity. And again, that's one theory about how there was this origination. But it is very interesting to think about that it wasn't really like uh, Judaism that was like the first monotheistic good versus evil religion. Before that, there was Orastrianism. And I personally think like these ideas, they arise within people eventually, like as you start to, you know, as you start to grow and cultivate uh into into like a higher level culture you'd be able to recognize that you are hurting somebody and you try to compensate for that in right. other ways and i think we're kind of going through that right now wait what, what is the point of sonic though what is like i never got sonic represents fast. good weren't you listening <laughs> going fast is the point so, <laughs> so, yeah, so if, if we were to take let uh, um, a drone, a, a dronological, uh, uh, Paul Virilio uh, thesis on speed and politics, and and how speed is increasing with digital technology. We could say that Sonic is the ultimate representation of uh, a sort of a property of pure speed and yeah. uh, a pure force. And, and uh, I would argue that the games are more about trying to slow you down. If you go back and play, like you know, the the first world. Uh, zones uh, uh very fast lots of uh, spiral things uh, uh, uh a lot going on there but once you get to that second world where it's like the uh the roman Mar marble zone things, marble yeah. zone yeah once Enough. you get into the marble zone things start to slow down you've got to stand on the blocks yeah it becomes a whole different thing and uh and i, I would argue most of the levels the, the better levels are a lot of stops and starts like that where it's it's trying yeah. to put obstacles in front of you that are going to slow you down well, here's an example well, the that I from, the take away oh, from on. this is that industrial society is going to slow you down. Sonic is here to to fight industrial society and bring back yes. the flowers yeah. and, and the animals that, that to is, bring them yeah. from the robots. He's also yeah. still going to back cleanse into, the yeah. land. Yeah, yeah. 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 but he's also yeah. also everyone. Hello, hey hero, hero. I think it's also you know learning like self control because Sonic is the fastest, but you have to make him go slow. You know what I'm saying? Well, when he says "gotta go fast," he's not. 
He's not talking about speed. He's talking about, you know, fasting. You know, oh, man, you beat me to it. Yes. You just stand around doing nothing. Sonic gets really pissed off. Is Sonic joining the uh, is Sonic joining Kirby in the Catholic squad? Is that what's happening? (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly what happens in Sonic Sonic CD. He's more of a vitalist. (laughs) He he jumps off the screen and becomes Catholic. I always knew Sonic was based. (laughs) What the rings represent? Represent halos. The rings. They do. Well, yeah, they uh, they represent halos. Yes, I I do cover the rings. In fact, let me uh, pull that one up over here regarding the rings. rings. Put a ring on it. Yeah, don't get a six of five hundred. Okay, he's he's got all of his P's and Q's squared. Okay, he knows what's (laughs) up. So okay, so what what is a ring? A ring is a circle, the circle of life, the circle of birth and death and uh, rebirth. And it is something. Yes, and it is something that we are all we are all a part of. But then the question is, what is beyond? I'm going to refer you the to special zone. the yeah no not the special zone. I, yeah, although the special, special zone, zone mean? the spe- okay actually I c- I could refer you to the special zone too as a matter of fact. So okay. the special zone is heaven. So you go through the ring much uh, like when people see the light they go through the tunnel. So uh, they go through the tunnel and then they end up in this zone, this special stage which is timeless where it's all psychedelic. So especially like a DMT I can. Trip. Exactly. So if you remember the Sonic 1 stages, it's just like these crazy birds and fish in the background. And another interesting thing. Let me see if I can make a better like a better picture of this. Here we go. Hold on. Does that work? Uh, yes. So here is a comparison of the special stage to the Tibetan Ooh. mandala. And you see it matches oh, up pretty, uh, ha- pretty hang damn on well. <laughs> <laughs> With the emerald oh in the middle. Oh my god, it's real. It oh, is real. Oh. This is this is what I'm telling you. I, I I found this out back in 2016 in my Nobody backyard. Nobody will ever convince me I that wasn't, that's not what that was. Yeah, I wasn't joking. Lev has actually got his P's and Q's squared. It's so ridiculous. This, so this one over here, I want to call your attention to this one. So this star over here just like these stars that you see in these various end of the casino night zone stuff like that this is called the spiritual eye and this is something that you would experience in a state of meditation otherwise referred to as samadhi where the subjective and the objective merge into one so basically all the experiences that we're having right now here talking with us i think that we are all an aspect of the same unifying thing that's experiencing itself in these different forms so tj davis you are also a part of me in a way and i'm also part of you and through experiencing ourselves in these different lives we have this limitation and we were talking about limitation just now. I want to refer you to this thing uh, that I posted above here. So marble zone. Well, almost not not exactly God marble zone over here. The, the, uh, what do you call it? The original, uh, and Tom 64, help me out here. What's it called? The the beta. Is that, is that what they call it? Yeah. Yeah. Beta (laughs) test. Yeah. I just talk over video games, mate. You need a small person. uh, So so I could try to explain before a video game is finished, they put out prototypes and beta tests. And, uh, and then they have like an alpha, and then once the game goes gold, it's ready to ship to uh, manufacturing. That's how it works. Yes. So over here, you see UFOs in the background for spring, uh, not spring, for marble zone. And what this means to me is that ancient civilizations, you know, there's all this talk about ancient aliens and stuff like that. I personally believe that there are aliens out there, and there well, are ancient aliens, but they're humans, and they are us. We are also of the bloodline of the ancient aliens that seeded the planet Earth 
and created life as we know it over here. So we share within their aspect of, again, all of us just like, I think, part of one unity, God, whatever you want to call it, that split up. But when it comes to what do these aliens do? Well, what do humans do with their pets? You know, like humans are supposed to look out for their pets, help their pet. Chow is an even better example. So Ntom64, are, yes. are you a fan of the Chows? And uh, TJ Davis, yeah. do you like Chows? I like Chows, you know the Chows from Sonic Adventure? Sorry. That's okay. So I'll I'll show a picture of you the Chows right know. now. Oh my god. Well, me. I do have a music related question for TJ. Go for it. Yes, thank oh, you. Oh my god. Okay. Um, <laughs> thank god. Because um had when you were recording is it is it kind of like how musical theater is where you have to like try and get into character or did you not really put that much thought into it yeah i i think i think having the game running at the same time when we were actually getting to sort of the finished vocals um but also the idea that you you're thinking this is a racing game and you're you're having to be a, it had to sound a certain way um, and and also even down to the accents because there were certain things that I say I'm from I'm from up north in in England and the north mm -hmm. of England and I say certain things in a certain way and they didn't want it like that they mm. wanted it slightly like dance I, I say dance and it's they want to say dance so a little bit more American so to appeal mm. maybe to a bit, a bit of a, you know a mm. universal audience um, so little things like that but it was definitely feeling that it was in character with the actual game definitely. Now, have you done any sort of like musical theater or like games or or such since then, or did you kind of go back into like regular music? Well, after after that, I'm I've I've just always I, I've always sort of worked with different bands. Um, I work with a um, like a Britpop band called Blur. Oh, uh, yeah. And I I also my first tour was Gary Newman. Um, which mm. was just that that was a oh that's the the, oh. the here in my car that that's guy and uh, and also D Ream I was still with D Ream the band who had a a, a massive um, with quite a few hit singles but a big hit with things can only get better um, and we toured quite a lot so I was with them quite a bit mm -hmm. um, and yeah worked worked with lots of sort of you know different artists over the years so I I ended up staying if you like in pop and rock. Um, an awful lot of dance music. I did uh, a few singles um, of my own as well. Um, so yeah, that's what I've been doing really. And uh, what is what is an inspiration of yours that uh, got you into uh, music in the first place? Oh gosh, um, I've always just I just love um, sort of torch singers, if you like. You know the huge sort of the big vocals. I mean, massive fan when I was a kid of Barbra Streisand, uh, Whitney Houston, Aretha Franklin. <laughs> I love Barbara Streisand. And people who need people—that's that's a good one. Oh, well, growing up with Barbara Streisand, my, my parents were really into her, and listening to the old albums, um, and it's great for you, but from a vocal technique point of view, it really helped me learn how to sing. It really did. Um, but I love everything like that. I was a massive ABBA fan when I was a mm. kid. Love ABBA. It's very, it's, and I, I mean, look, who, who am I to say? Because I love your uh, tracks, but like ABBA is just so sugary, you know, so poppy. I don't know what you, but again, there is some, there's something special to that. And I think this is why a lot of people resonate with Can You Feel the Sunshine? Because yeah. they are longing for like this past, you know, and I guess you could say similar to back in time, like 
the lyrics to Back in Time, I think, talk about a lot of uh, things that people have on their minds today, where I think people always have this idea of like, you know, back in the day, you know, when I was younger, it was so much better. Everything was so innocent and carefree and all that. And I think video games may also have a role to play there because like 90s kids, you know, we didn't grow up uh you know back like during the middle ages when they had like uh, executions in the town square and horrible <laughs> things like that oh <laughs> you know, get like, a bit serious though <laughs> yes no but the point is is that we grew up with executions right, yeah. virtually where mm -hmm. we can execute people you know on the screen instead of uh you know seeing it in real life and i think that, that, that may that's have just simulation theory love that's just uh yeah. that's sim well right? i think it may have had <laughs> i think it may have had a certain effect on us uh, growing up where and I want to get into this uh, as well with video game culture, where it does feel like a lot of people today who have grown up within that culture, and this is what I want to talk to MTOM64 about as well, because uh -huh. you have a great you have a great style about you, the way that you're able to talk. But what I'm always curious about is in the world that you inhabit, and I think that you, and I'm talking specifically to you right now, MTOM, that oh, you have that you have infinite potential because I see your aura. I can see auras. I have that ability, and I can no, see love, your aura no, through the screen right further, now. No, I, I must want, go on. I, want, I must I go on. Let the man talk, Left. <laughs> I want to bring your attention to this cheap. comment by DJ Sweets in the chat. He said, "I can't believe Lev pulled this poor woman, put this poor woman on just to hear this live schizo post." <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> no, no, listen. I grew I up wanna, playing. I, I think the the conversation about Europop is a bit more interesting to me than Sonic, but that's my cup. No, no, we, we're gonna go back to Europop. I you. think yeah, it places yeah, the autism Sonic. No, no, we're gonna get to that. Why? Why? Can... We're gonna get to why autistic people like. <laughs> Gotta Sonic. go fast. No, no, no. I can relate. I can relate to two things together. Because when you think about like Europop. And the feeling behind that, it is almost like it reminds me of this great anime that I recommend everybody watching uh, to watch called, uh, is it called Megazone 33? I, I don't know, Anton, am I saying it correctly? Do you know the one I'm talking about? Uh. Let's see. Yes, Megazone 23. That's it. Ah. Like Jordan's, Jordan's jersey number. So uh. Megazone 23. For those who don't know about it, it was a Japanese cyberpunk animation. And it was set in the 1980s. Now, this is going to be a major spoiler. Uh, so please forgive me. Is but... Sonic in it? No, unfortunately not. But okay, they have spiky. Go, go ahead. They have spiky. They have spiky haircuts, very similar Aww. to Sonic. But uh, it was set in the 1980s, but not really. It was like set in 1980s Japan, but it was actually set on board a space station, like a space colony that had the, like the people. They had to go off of Earth because they saw that people were contaminating the Earth. So they like pulled them off of the Earth like and Elysium. had them live. Yeah, and like had them the live in this uh, I space station. The Jetsons poisoned the world. That's why they were up on those stilts. <laughs> <laughs> well, the bottom layer of the planet is where the Flintstones live, obviously. Exactly. They live in hell. Flintstones <laughs> yeah. live in hell. <laughs> That's and they have a crossover like the. Didn't, yeah. they, didn't they go to the bottom of the one of those planets in the Jetsons movie and it was all trash? Oh, yeah, I think so. Oh, man, that that's was, so sad. Yeah. That's kind of like, uh, okay, but but anyway, they <laughs> they were living, the people in Megazone 23 were living in the perpetual 1980s. Like, it basically like reset and everybody's memory. That's like Japan like now. Uh, what's that Black Mirror episode that's that, where they're living inside well, a simulation? Yeah, but, but that yeah, is a simulation, so I guess it's similar. Um, 
the yeah, one where your mom's a mirror or something, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But the yeah. idea here is that these simulations or colonies or whatever, the reason why they chose the 1980s, at least in Megazone 23, they said because this is the most peaceful time that humanity has ever had. Huh? And I think this goes to uh, TJ Davis, to these beautiful tracks that you composed. I think this is people longing to have a kind of peace and a kind of rest away from a lot of the uh, chaos that they are experiencing. And maybe there was like this time back in like, uh, you know, late 80s, early 90s, you know, before like, you know, war and terror and social media. Before to, the towers you know, fell. That was exactly. pretty much yeah, there's that great a... period in human history. Exactly. Unless you were in Eastern Europe, but that's besides the point. Or oh. South America. So, like, South America, America Eastern Or the Middle Europe. East. Yeah, yeah, or the Africa. But like, Africa yeah, had a lot of problems didn't the Middle East calm down a bit during the 90s or no? Or was still... Because the Russians moved out of like some 80, of the calm down a bit here is relative, right? Well, <laughs> yeah, that's Russia, yeah, there was. I mean, it's still the Middle East. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, well, in the Middle East now we're returning to the order. Of, oh, that's another conversation. Yeah. We'll, 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 yeah. we'll get there later. But but anyway, what I wanted to say, and this relates both to T.J. Davis and Entom sixty four. So yeah. Entom. The yes. environment that I think both of us lived in, because I assume we're the same age. Would you be able to say how old you are, or do you want to uh, keep that at? 32. Okay, oh, I am 30, I'm 31. Yeah. So, yeah, so pretty pretty much right there. Okay, so, so we... this is my stream now. I'm the oldest. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. But... So we both, we both grew up in an environment that I would say is pretty close to a hug box, but it may not be as much of a hug box uh, in comparison to a lot of the millennials, I mean, we are millennials, sorry, compared to yeah. like Gen Z kids, because it seems to me that a lot of them have already grown up connected, grown up with the internet, and I don't know how secluded they are, but it does feel like they haven't experienced as much, you know, dig, dig, dog shit, you are not it. I don't know what the British version of that is, but, you know, all these schoolyard games that we used to have back in the day. Oh. Yeah. Just so, you know, just something to clear our mind a little bit because we're having actual human to human contact. But right now, like a lot of the even the identity of people that are being formed today, who they who they uh, see themselves as so much of that is dictated by the online culture and yeah. by, uh, you know, all mm. these quote unquote influencers or whatever. And personally, like I am one of the people who thinks that, you know, uh, I don't have a problem with people doing whatever they want, but. My whole thing is I would prefer there to be a better influence out there for people to s strive against pressure. Because like you were mentioning before, well, and like I was talking about those UFOs, those UFOs in Marble Zone symbolize the pressure that the aliens are putting on us as guardians of humanity so that we overcome certain problems that we have. Because mm, if it was yeah. just a matter, and hear me out, if it was okay. just a matter of... Um, uh, us continuing to play the games of the quote-unquote gods or the Nephilim or the Anunnaki, who were the people that settled Earth and like uh, brought civilization back after the Great Cataclysm, then mm. we would have just had pagan civilizations. Then we would have just had the pagan religions, and we would have just gone these circles of civilizations like ancient Greece uh, and ancient Rome, like flourishing and then dying off, flourishing and then dying off. But what's interesting to me is that specifically when we get to like the Abrahamic faiths, very interesting things start happening. First of all, we have one God now, and we also have an entity that guides the movement of uh, the Hebrews, where in the Torah they describe how there was a pillar of fire, 
and the pillar of smoke that guided them and how there was mana that was dropped from heaven and how the priests wore these uh, crystals on their apron that lit up oh god yeah. there was a, this isn't the chaos I, emeralds is it <laughs> it's the chaos emeralds exactly oh so my, priests, I, I was waiting for the setup yeah so the priests they <laughs> wore the escape. chaos emeralds and okay. the chaos emeralds yes. shone whenever they asked the question to god so my theory and i know this is very sacrilegious so please forgive me but my theory is that i think that the christians and the jews and the muslims and like a lot of the abrahamic faith they are definitely onto something important. And this is what I agree with Owen Cyclops on as far as the feeling that you get when you know the difference between right and wrong. It is a very correct one and a very important one. As far as the origin of that, though, like my whole thing is I think it was an alien setup. I think that we have guardians that were kind of dictating the path that human beings, that the earthlings have to go through and the pressure that's being applied to us through all the trials that we have to undergo. So mm. to turn this all back to Tom 64, oh, like no. what, yes. <laughs> what do you notice in the culture that you grew up in that seems to be like the biggest pressure, the biggest hurdle to overcome <clears throat> where, like where, where, where do you see work has to be done from the experience that you have had uh, for your life? And then I want to bring the same question to TJ Davis. Uh, the biggest pressure I felt during the nineties was mostly just to conform. It, it, it didn't really feel like there was any one person saying, Oh, you should do this. You should do that. It was mostly just, the media saying consume this consume that uh i'm not the smartest person so that's about as the best analysis no, no. you gotta get the, the fact that the fact that you say you're not the smartest person means that you are way smarter than many of the so-called professionals or professors because look the, even the way that you're saying it it's so refreshing i feel like i want to sit next to you at a pub and just uh, have a pint of i don't know what's your fa what's your favorite beer do you, do you drink beer uh, um, i do not drink ah oh, okay tj davis what's your favorite beer <laughs> I don't drink beer, but I do like a nice red wine. All right, that's classy. Which uh, what what kind of red wine? Merlot, uh, um, Cabernet. I like a Pinot Noir. <laughs> Pinot Noir. Excellent. Or a nice Malbec. Um, I, I do actually have a little gin and tonic here tonight, though. Mm. Cool. So I I'm like, just not like invited to this pub thing anymore, then. So. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know. I guess is there non-alcoholic beer? I mean, would they look down upon you if you? Uh... But what was what was that like? What was the choice that you made, and Tom sixty four, not to drink? Or not, or I don't know, do you drink or not drink beer? Um, no, I don't drink. It mostly because uh, I get addicted to things very easily. I'm not talking about like drugs or anything. I just mean like um, soft soda drinks and, well, when you know it, Sonic games. Now, now why Sonic games? Okay, this is, I'm not going to spout my madness anymore because we have so many people here that want to speak, but you've right. heard you've heard from me, and I'm going to speak a lot more afterwards. Not right okay. now. I'm going to shut my trap, and I want to ask Entom64 the following question. So, okay. Entom64, why do you like Sonic? Why do you like Sonic games? Even, like, I don't know, Sonic Unleashed, it looked very repetitive. So, I don't know, tell me, like, w what's going on? Okay, well, first of all, I'd like to give a shout out to uh, Flaming Claw in the chat or Flame His World because I know what answer he'll be going with <laughs> as to why he likes Sonic. Uh, but as for me, the character has always been appealing. Uh, he has a very, like you were mentioning with the Sonic R music, he's very upbeat, he's very optimistic, um, very positive. And the game's great level design, great aesthetics, great music. 
kind of lost a little bit of that pizzazz when it went to 3D because it's just harder to program in 3D. Um, but and this is something I came to a, a realization of recently. It's the character of Sonic. He's why the brand has survived all this time and will probably survive for another 30 years. He's just likable. And I think that's the full stop. He can really move and he's got attitude. He does, yes. Listen, according to Sammy Classic Sonic fan, 3D ruined Sonic and you people want more and more. You ruin the game. You ruin the franchise. And there's consequences for your actions that you don't realize. According, I'm not taking the blame. For I think you know, uh, you know he's completely correct. right. 3D is good. No, uh, well, I, uh, pull actually, up the clip. Pull up the picture of Sammy Classic Sonic fan. I, I, I agree that 3D ruined it, but that doesn't mean that like the first Sonic Adventure doesn't fucking rock. Yeah, no, it, it does. There's things about it that are really good. I hate having to hunt down the levels. Like sure, the RPG sure. of Hub World. Like that was a huge mistake. What were they thinking? And they've done that with other Sonic games too. Yeah. yeah. That was a, a, a colossal mistake. Mm-hmm. It, it, oh, no, ruined it. it ruined it, but it didn't have to ruin it. Right. Yeah. I think it's the is the is the I didn't care for uh, Mario Adventure 64 was super either. Fun. Well, mm-hmm. TJ oh. Davis, do you like Sonic Adventure? Or what Sonic games do you like and what Sonic games do you hate? Ooh. I think you might be asking the wrong person here. <laughs> yeah, I'm very my curious. Brother's, how, how... My brother's the uh, the gamer. Actually, he was um, he was uh, he was trying not to look impressed when I first got the job with Sonic, but I know he was really. Was, you know, that typical younger <laughs> brother thing. It's like I'm not. It, it's you're not cool. And all of a sudden, it's like I'm working on a game. It's like okay, maybe that is a bit cool. Yeah, you know, thought you, thought you were so... the coolest, probably. But he couldn't uh, say anything. Well, I mean, well, that working was... with. So- that what? was the Sonic game for the Saturn. Like, it was such a huge deal at the time. Yeah, yes. it was the first like seeing... uh, 3D one. Yeah. And not even huge. 3D Blast, because 3D Blast, it wasn't actually mm. 3D. Like, it was 3D graphics, but it was, ma- it was like 2D. It was like that Donkey Kong Country thing. Wait, where it was, so, uh, 5D. am yeah. I the yeah. only one in Sega 1? Well, no, because that I, 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 I that was like the first, I, I was going to say, the first video game I ever played was Sonic the Hedgehog. Yeah, I, I literally, like, yeah, but yeah. we had yeah, like a Sega one, like yeah. the first one. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm a little old, older, so, uh, so green, yeah, like my experience with Sonic, zone, uh, like I, I'd already played some of the uh, what we now call the regular Nintendo. Uh, I played quite a bit of that, and seeing Sonic the Hedgehog was a very much a oh, things have changed now. Like this is a whole Damn. thing has yeah. blast yeah, processing. Well, hmm. not necessarily that. It's the color palette. The expanded sound chip, and it, it, yeah. there was always a really metallic sound to uh, the Sega Genesis that I always quite loved. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, That's... the feeling of that controller was totally different. It, like having an extra button just mm-hmm. blew our minds. Yeah, it, w- I never... it was the Giga Chat of consoles yeah. when it came yeah. out. Yeah. Yeah. I still I still love the Saturn though. Even the Sonic 3D Blast for the Saturn, I like that they had these extra textures on the uh, those uh, uh, checkerboard patterns. And by the way, checkerboard pattern that is also a Masonic symbol. Uh, oh, no. Okay, I'm not, I'm not gonna oh, no. I'm not gonna get into that that much. <laughs> but anyway, but anyway, uh, t- okay, t- back Holy to TJ. Cow. TJ okay. Davis, what what was it like working with uh, with such an amazing uh, co- composer? Because uh, like. He uh when we're talking about like Richard Jake and I'm so happy you told me how to say it properly. Is it Richard Jake, Jake. Or Jacques? It's not, I thought it's it was Richard, Jacques. It's actually Richard Jakes. Put the oh, oh Jakes. Ah oh, Jakes. <laughs> Jakes. 
Yeah. Now that it's a French name, though. Like, is he French also, he is, or what's? He's actually. It's 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 um spelled that way, isn't it? I don't know, really. I'm not sure. I don't. I don't, I'm not sure that background is. Not everything we have that conversation. But yeah, um, back to your question. It was amazing. We we had we just gelled. I think we just got on very. We're both quite silly. And we we both you know we'd mess about with you know we, we'd always sort of say about how you know it was obviously quite cheesy pop and it was Euro pop and mm-hmm. and we'd say how how cheesy are we really going to get it today you know <laughs> and also he could actually tell if ever I was you know say if I was tired you can you can tell it in the voice and you can't do that with these songs you had to be you lift you've got to smile every time you're singing it and sometimes if you've done it over and over again. You might not want to smile. <laughs> well, that really comes so, across in the music for sure. Like that, that upbeat, happy, like a, a very fun spirited attitude in the music yeah. of Sonic R. And I think yeah. we did. We did have a laugh. We had great people around us, you know, an engineer in there, a producer and stuff. And we all used to just hang out afterwards and, and we and we, we just had a great time doing it. So then obviously we did another game, the Metropolis Street Racer after mm. that. Um, you got a good that, comment on Twitter about that one. Oh, okay. That's it's really that was good. I really, I mean, that was. I think that was harder in a way because it was lots of different styles of music for right. the different levels. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, but yeah, it was both of them were great fun, and uh, I just hope that me and Richard, we you know, hopefully we work together again in the future. It'd be brilliant. Well, so, are there gone? Yeah. So was that your first experience with Sonic, or had you watched your brother play, or was it just you? Just this was your first time seeing Sonic. It's the typical thing of an old older sister not really being interested in what her younger brother's doing. But yeah. now I'd, I'd actually, um, that was my first experience of it. And I didn't realize at the time how big the gaming industry was and how much, how big it got. Yeah. And the fact, what's what's astonished me is is what it's like now and how all this lovely nostalgia for all these games. I mean, I don't think Richard, sometimes Richard will text me and just say, Oh my goodness! Have you seen how many people on YouTube are, are still loving "Can You Feel the Sunshine"? And you know, that and, is a good song. I'm listening to it like, yeah. right now. Oh, it's great! Like it's like an awakening memory in me. Like, like, all right, Richard, you don't need to brag. I was there too. <laughs> so I'm, I'm looking you know at what's the uh... funny about that. TJ is I feel like, in some ways, you have the video video game industry has sort of, in some ways, consumed traditional. Um, entertainment avenues or art and entertainment it seems that like a lot of kids now they're nostalgic for soundtracks and so instead of like a really great album it's like the ost to a video game is like something that you know me ostensibly never being never i was never really a gamer but it seems like there is that nostalgia factor in even something as like stock music for a video game becomes the medium from which you can express these sort of emotions especially of a particular time period in that like late 80s early 90s so yeah so i just loaded up the song and as soon as i heard the 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 first open music notes i went oh i like i'm right back there sitting there in the room sega saturn's uh uh, the hot thing like Mm -hmm. my cousin's got it and he just got sonic r it's like hey you got to come check this out charlie and i'm right back there all over again just have that just have that effect i get lots of um emails and and even you know letters people people always say and it's always a very it's always really positive actually there's something about it that's just always very 
I don't know when people say that it meant something to them when they were growing up and they go back to it and they, they now listen to the, you know, the tracks in the car when they're driving to work. That's just amazing. And I, I'm just thrilled that I was part of it, really. I feel very lucky that I got the job, you know. And the gym. Don't forget the gym. I used to love getting high and listening to uh, Can You Feel the Sunshine and the Radical City theme while I was doing uh, crunches. Never, so. Love, you were never blasting a Pantera in the gym? That no, was... I'm not that kind of guy. I like I like oh. listening to uh, TJ Davis songs and uh, Utada Hikaru. Those yeah. are like the two that That's I liked awesome. listening to when I was in the gym. Uh, TJ, and, uh, do you feel... Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Hear no, 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 no. Go on. No, I was just going to ask you, do you feel that as an artist yourself, um, as a musician, do you feel like, are you in the same position as, say, um, session musicians that sell their music to, like, big artists? Like, I remember this one interview with, uh, what was his name? He wrote, like, a good portion of the Eric Clapton hits. J.J. Kale. The Wrecking Crew guys? Yeah, yeah. He said, J.J. Kale, he said, like, you know, I could tour, like, he goes for these little tours on these songs, but he says that, to him, he's not that type of a musician, a performing musician. It's more of his creation gets turned into something else. And even though people, when people hear uh, cocaine, they think of Eric Clapton. They don't think of J.J. Kale, right? Yeah. So do you feel like as a musician that, is it a positive or negative, like the vast majority of people that hear, hearing your music, they actually don't know like that you are the originator. Like, are you fixated on like the aura of like I am the creator of this particular no, song or... I, I you know I, I I'm actually funny enough there was something re recently that somebody had posted um you know um is it DJ Shaq was doing a, a you know he was listening to can you feel the sunshine and I actually quote tweeted it on Twitter saying oh you know no because it like you say nobody knows who the singer was and I was actually so it was brilliant to watch that and people were mentioning it and I just said oh I'm really pleased that I was part of it and I got some really lovely messages and stuff but Aww. I mean I didn't I didn't write the songs you know I obviously just came in to 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 sing them um and and I I like I say I've always been quite astounded at how how huge it actually is um I think it's it's a bit disappointing that there wasn't an album actually released and maybe that is something that they could do i think because mm. you know the fact that they there's been, been on compilations and stuff but an actual album itself i think would would actually be good and uh, I, one thing that we have been talking about is actually doing some of these songs live oh, um, i'm a live nice. that i would definitely buy a ticket yeah there's After... a lot of like uh, video games live that sort of thing like yeah, that, that. That, that's my yeah. job that's what i do i don't do an awful lot of studio work to be honest and um mm. I, yeah. I, I tour i tour all the even time uh, even if you were just to go around to like video game conventions like that's uh uh like a venue like right next door to one of those places like that would be a uh, uh a, f a very fun thing like people would go yeah. for that for sure yeah. i think so and it's something that you know hopefully the world will open up at some point um eventually so i'm buying my tickets right there as soon as it opens up i'm buying the tickets to england <laughs> flying down there and i would love to hear you sing and uh when it comes to this uh can you feel the sunshine song i looked up it has five million views and that's just like one one video so imagine that tj five million people more than five million people have been listening to you for days on days and days and we have a comment over here uh from cha cha shakala oh, yeah my boy. legitimate question for tj davis how do you feel knowing you helped create one of the most iconic soundtracks of all time oh gosh 
that's amazing. I mean, that just, honestly, it's fantastic to have been a part of something like this. It really is. And um, that's why I just want to, you know, me, me and Richard have both talked about doing something with it. I, I don't think either of us actually realised how big it was going to be. So it would, it'd be lovely to recreate that, you know. And um, a lot of people did ask when the film the film came out last year or was it the year before yeah yep. yep. that was last year i had quite a few people sort of saying why were, why were you guys on it and it was, you know if, if they'd have asked we'd have done it <laughs> <laughs> no it would have been much better to have your songs than like the studios yeah anybody yeah. could just grab oh. like a famous studio song if you're a big studio and use yeah. that and everybody expects that if they would have used that one it would have just generated a lot of internet buzz and I mean, they could have gotten those five million people you know, yeah. just like that. I'm going to put it out in the ether right now. Sonic the Hedgehog 2 is happening. They need the Sunshine song. Yeah. Plus, we need to get a movement going for like a Sonic R remake. That's what we yeah. need to do. <laughs> I Why not just re-release it as is? Like, it had such a fun, like, low-poly look. Mm. Like, that sort of thing's hot right now. Yeah. It, was Are... on, it was on PC. Like, I remember playing it on PC. Somebody it's had it there one day, and I was like, oh, man, check this out. Sonic R. Well, well uh, Ntime64. I have a 64. good comment, actually. This oh, is... The comment from the uh, video that has five million views. Um, Sega was really the master of music during the '90s. I mean, like hopeful electronic slash techno house Euro dance music. Needless to say, the Sonic games of the '90s had incredible soundtracks, and all in-house produced Sonic games always paid close attention to their music. They mm -hmm. used to own the arcade and Lexo, like Sir Casino, telling the game works in Las Vegas. Going there as a kid, really like stepping into the stylish future, seeing that you wanted to stay in there forever. Sega may not have had the best gameplay, but boy, they were audio and visual aesthetics amazing, especially for that era. And the very top comment on the video is, uh, um, I think it was like almost three three k likes. The line it will it makes me want to survive implies the default state of being is craving death. <laughs> well, I mean, well, probably. I mean. Uh, <laughs> Sigmund Freud, right? The Thanatos Shadow of the Hedgehog. <laughs> Shadow the Hedgehog. <laughs> yeah. There it is. I was gonna what, say, what was you the know... one? What was the Christian equivalent? Blake was the, the black. Oh one yes, Blake. Oh god. Uh, <laughs> oh, it's, man. it's funny I you hate... mention that, Geo, because it's uh. I, that's something that I, I think was brought up earlier that I, I think is interesting, and it's, it's that people chalk up the the popularity of of video game music and OSTs to uh, uh, almost entirely nostalgia, and I don't think that's a, yeah. a fair. No, thing to say because yeah, still the way no, no work yeah like yeah. The, the amount of effort that's put into these things because the, the companies at least they used to they knew this is something you're going to hear on repeat for Correct. hours yeah, and hours, hours and days and days and months and years you're going to hear this on repeat so it has to be something good and that's why these are so like this is well, why they're they're, they're made in example. such a way that's so that's so like enjoyable, and I I think uh, you know Sonic R so soundtrack is definitely one of them. Yeah, but there is nostalgia factor in. Oh, of like, course, it's there too, but it's like, it's not example, just nostalgia. I forget I forget which video on Vaporwave it was. I think it was Mr. Amazing's video. But like for example, you have like Blank Banshee, the uh, one the famous album. What is the beginning of that that album ostensibly? It is the Windows ninety five into a drop into a bass drop mm -hmm. so but if that windows 95 sound wasn't there you know what i mean it's like it seems that video games because of 
they have a different approach to copyright than with artists. It seems that like a lot of remix culture and DJing has gone into like taking these old video games, like from Sonic R and, and elsewhere, and, and yeah. sort of playing around with them. I think because Sonic R had such a Euro pop, like Euro dance vibe yeah. at the time, that it's very easily um, it's very easily accessible for like modern DJ culture to like just take yeah. it and be like, yeah, you know, can, can you feel uh, this? Uh, <laughs> imagine a, a rave party. Definitely- a foam rave party. There has party, been like rave parties. <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably. Yeah, the Sonic R rave. The, the yeah. remixes are definitely reliant on nostalgia, but I, I think the uh, I think the initial songs themselves um, have much more to do with the fact that they were made in such a way to yeah. to be you know in, as enjoyable as they are. I, and I think that's really impressive. People will talk about like mm. Koji Kondo from Nintendo doing that. I, I think in in Sega's case. Sega really shines in their in their music for this, and they always have, even through the '90s and up to the, up through the 2000s. The oh, yeah. music they always picked were things that were really um, kind of like what was really hip, what was really popular. Uh, in the '90s, they had the the fun like um, kind of soul, kind of Euro pop music, and then in the 2000s it, they moved to like the, the, the hardline. I tell you another stuff. thing. Uh, uh... I, I, I'm trying to remember the name of it. I think it was the uh, uh, Spring Yard Zone, something like yeah. that. Yeah, it's yeah. A very, very much a New Jack swing sound to that uh, that area. Oh that yeah, zone. totally. Mm. Like you could, you could very much feel that. Oh, like this is this ain't this ain't Nintendo. They wouldn't do this. Yeah. And and I, I love that about Sega at that time because it was like, you know, WCW to the WWF or Coke to Pepsi. Like it was an alternative. It was something. That Most is... of my music as a kid came from the title songs for various wrestling pay-per-views. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what is it? Like, like Mar- Mario and the Deadly and... Game. Yeah, yeah. Well, like if Mario so, had... Control by uh, Puddle of Mud, <laughs> Survivor Series, <laughs> 2001, Alliance versus WWE. Mm. <laughs> and then, uh, and then uh, Hotep like... Sophia, you remember when you were playing uh, Sonic 3, the soundtrack for that one, that was like Michael Jackson. Like Michael yeah, Jackson worked Jackson. on... Uh, yeah, it was, it was definitely like great. I mean, I remember more so like I remember a lot of the music, but I hadn't even now I'm like, oh, they, the songs had names. Like I hadn't yeah. even thought about <laughs> that. I know this is like you guys sing. Like I just like watched the game. I didn't think about like all of the stuff that has to go into it. And now just like how they make these games now, no wonder they're so like big of a deal when they flop because can you imagine oh, how yeah. much money you have to spend yeah. like you Some know, of them paying are the artists and hundreds of millions, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, hundreds of millions of dollars it's so, why I'm very uh, impressed by the small scale games like Sonic Mania Sonic Mania was such yeah. a, a masterpiece of a video game because it was so so much smaller scale but at the same time they were doing new stuff and, and so usually like the, the path of it was the, like the first level would be like alright we're taking you back to an old world. Here's all the, the same kind of gimmicks and stuff you saw before. Ooh, and then the second hill. level, and then the second level would be like, all right, now we're gonna do something new. Now we're gonna add something oh. else. Like the chemical plant zone, they had. I, uh, Reed Hill too. Example. I, I want to so, challenge your assertion about Mania a little bit because I think it was. Uh, I, I think it was so good because I think that heavily relied on nostalgia. Like you said, half of the levels yeah, were, yeah. were old levels and they, they made it to well, feel it exactly like the old game. The exact but, same level layout. They would add, well, no, they would do the same gimmicks. Yeah, but like but on, they, on that second uh, chemical, heal, chemical zone, 
they did yeah. uh, where you jump on the thing and it changes the color and you could bounce on it. And then if you change the color again, right. You know, but the, the point like is the, the groundwork was kind of like done for them already. They had a lot of new ideas in there as well. Yeah. And the aesthetics looked great, but it, it also wasn't mm-hmm. the current uh, incarnation of Sega working on it, which is also probably why it was so Yeah, good. I think some of the, <laughs> I hate to say stuff it. was the, <laughs> Was the original levels? They they had yeah. uh, uh, some very very colorful and interesting stuff in there. Like yeah. uh, the new levels were great too. Like uh, what's what's that one Garden Press Zone? That one's yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's the one I was thinking press of. Where it's like zone, uh, yeah, yeah. There's like but a when... printing press and papers everywhere. Like it was very well designed. Yeah. And then it was like an ice level, the yeah, second yeah, version yeah. of that one, like a Japanese style one. That one was really cool. But when excellent, it comes, excellent but, game. but when it comes to like first levels, if I were to design the Sonic game, I would flip it up. I would have the first level be like a desolate ice wasteland, and I would love for TJ Davis to do the song for it, where you would sound cheerful, but you would be just singing like the most depressing lyrics of all time, just like, no, like really 90... full tor- like a torch song, but you're okay. <laughs> exactly. What, singing I'm about listening... how Tails just died of frostbite. Oh, or something. Oh, God. <laughs> like really go big, James Bond. Uh... Shirley, Shirley, Be- uh, what's what's the girl's name? Uh, the one that did Goldfinger and and Diamonds Are Forever. That girl. Really bad. Like go, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go really hard with that kind of song for Sonic the Hedgehog. God, I just listened oh, to Back in Time. It's like literally that feeling, um, nostalgic for a place you've never been. You know, <laughs> I've literally had that feeling while listening to it. It's amazing. Well, that one, I think, echoes our thirst for ancient civilizations, at least my thirst for finding out what's going on, <laughs> what's mm-hmm. going on there. And they yeah. had, like, knuckles, like, ancient knuckle statues in that level Wasn't design, there too. Sonic games that were in, like, ancient ruins or something? So, the first yeah. Sonic, Sonic the Hedgehog yeah. game, first, Sonic 1, you go to the oh, Marvel yeah, Zone, yeah. you go to the Labyrinth Zone, and even that last zone, it sort of flip-flops, because you, you would go to, like, these futuristic places... And the last zone, I think the first two, first two zones were like a futuristic thing, and then the last one was another like uh, a labyrinth zone, and then yeah. that takes but you to that final reason. zone uh, uh, where Robotnik is. Well, it was like a gray uh, labyrinth yeah, zone. Yeah, it was which like was a really change labyrinth zone, uh, and the water was purple. Yeah, yeah, yep, yep. So it's almost like it was almost like this was the part that was built under Metro. Uh, was it Metro? No, it was called. Uh, well, anyway, the factory. Thank. See, this is why you're on this panel, and Tom sixty four. You see now? Do you see? There is a method to the madness. So anyway, scrap brain, scrap brain zone yard. was yeah, built. Yeah. No, not yard. Yard that was a. Uh, that was uh, spring yard zone. Spring yard. Yeah. So anyway, scrap brain zone was built yes. on top of that part of labyrinth zone, mm-hmm. which is why it's all like gray and purple, like toxic water. You know, like everything's just been. Uh, you know, rubbed off of it, and like the pollution has been absorbed into the rocks. So that's why, like that part is gray and purple. At least that's my theory. Why that is uh, the way the way that it is. Yeah, I imagine that they had polluted it, and that underneath it was where Robotnik's secret lair was, like exactly, underneath these yeah. old ancient ruins, that sort of thing. But that's kind of is that it? They expanded on that theming in like CD with the like, you know, alternate future things where like Robotnik, Robot, eh, Robotnik takes over or like the good future where like, you know, things are restored back to normal. They, they explored that a bit further in that one. Yeah, that's and they quite also... the video game that uh, like Sonic mm. CD feels like this alternate to Sonic 2 because Sonic 2 oh, was yeah. developed by the, the guys called the Sega Institute in, in the States. They made a, a certain amount of video games here. Mm-hmm. And then Sonic CD was made by the team that made the first Sonic. That's why it feels... Yeah so much more like that first one 
Yeah. Very interesting that Sonic forked off like that. Yeah. See, the the other thing is the soundtracks for that game. The the American and Japanese versions are very different, and they're both really phenomenal. Those two have yeah. amazing soundtracks. Is that yes. the uh, Sonic Boom? Is that the one? Yeah, that? yeah, yeah. Yeah. I love it. Now there was also the rights, uh, the right said Fred song Wonder Man, which was also British, and that one was made for Sonic Three. I don't know, like, I assume, just like people naively assume all Russian people know each other, that people within the British uh, music scene also know each other. Do you know or have you ever met Right Said Fred? Um, I, I, they, live, they don't live very far from me, actually. I've seen them a couple of times, but I don't know them. See, there we go. At least there is that, which is weird, because you would think, like, living, that that's not related to being in the music industry, but it is an, in- an interesting coincidence. And we as also have five... As big we as five the world do- is, it's also very small. Uh, oh, go ahead. True. Well, we have $5 from DJ Sweets. I have to point out that Lev has almost gone a whole hour without mentioning Sally Acorn. Okay. Oh, so, boy. Okay, oh, okay, 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 okay. Okay, so... Uh, so TJ, Sally Acorn. I don't know. If, do you know Sally Acorn? For first oh. off, no. Okay, so I will show you a picture of Sally Acorn, but also oh I want you to guess oh, what no. her what not her one, hair... no lab, not the one picture. No, 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 no. I'm not gonna show her the bones. Like, I'm, we're not I'm, going not, I'm, not, I'm not gonna torture TJ like that. Who, who do you think I am? But okay, this is Sally Acorn over here. This is what she looks like. So, uh, TJ, what do you think of her design? <laughs> Well, I, I, oh, oh, okay, that's Sally Acorn, okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, she's looking cool, like the boots. Yeah. So, do you notice anything about her hairstyle, anything familiar? Um... <laughs> just, just explain <laughs> it, please! Okay, 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 okay. Don't, so, Sally... Don't put her through. Okay, <laughs> so Sally Acorn, she is a princess... <laughs> And her oh, hairstyle God. is like Princess Diana. Uh, really? Of course. Yeah. <laughs> see, it has like this upper upper Pull up area. A picture of Diana. I need to see them side by side. Yeah, oh I my God. I didn't. I didn't get that because of the. You know, I I don't see Diana like that really, especially the color hair is, and everything as well. So. Yeah, I like now that, that she's saying it, I, I kind of see it. But, <laughs> but put them put them side by side. Here, here, here. Really okay, I'm gonna it. put I'm gonna put them side by side. So this is Princess Diana over here. Hold on, let me scroll down. Okay, this is Princess Diana. Here, I'm gonna make it. And by the way, Zachary Elwood is here. Thank you so much for coming in. And hey. we are gonna get to you just in a bit. So over here, uh, Princess Diana. See, yeah. it has okay. like this upper layer over here. And this is Princess Sally. How is that? <laughs> I don't see the. I don't see it. I see it. I see it. I see it. I yeah, never would have okay. thought of it, but like I can somewhat see it's, it's it. Also I'm not, I'm like, it's also suggestion. It's all suggestion. I'm like sixty percent there. I'm like sixty percent there. Yes, oh. but but anyway, Princess Sally Acorn. I think she was intentionally. De- well, Zachary, do you know Princess Sally Acorn by any chance? Sorry, I don't. No problem at all. I I have no problem with that whatsoever. But just so you know, the history here. So back in the day, Sonic the Hedgehog uh, was a very popular uh, video game character, cartoon character. He had an animated series that was made and a comic that was made before that. And he's they not were dead. Searching... He's just old. Yeah, and they were not... and they were searching <laughs> for characters. They were searching for characters to become like Sonic's friends 
to fight against Dr. Robotnik. And one of the characters they invented was called Princess Sally Acorn, and she was based on one of the ro on one of the little animals, little helpless animals named Ricky, uh, who was a squirrel uh, who was in I the robot. She was based on that. Yeah, so Ricky from Sonic the Hedgehog. Uh, I'm gonna put a picture of him yeah, as they, well. Like, One yeah, there was a bunch of animal buddies. There was like a walrus yeah. guy. There was yeah. a, for some reason she was a southern rabbit. No, uh, no, not that one. I'm I'm no. assuming love means the animals that got freed out of the robots. Yeah, here, this right, is Ricky. Yeah. So you see, Ricky also looks a bit like Princess Sally. So this is an animal that was freed from the robot, and uh, when it comes to the design that they chose, like Ricky versus Princess Sally. Princess Sally, she has a very feminine form, you know? So I think this was a like, way on, for people... No, 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 no. Yeah, maybe no, this maybe is Ricky was her cousin. No, but this, this is important because Is basically... this more appropriate for the furry stream? I'm just... I will, I will make it work. No, no, I will, I will make it work, the and then we're going to move on to like, Zachary. I feel like I'll make once it... we go too far into Sonic talk, it, it takes a turn. Yeah, but this is very no, but this is, but this is a very important... I love Sonic, I love everybody. I agree. Oh, but this, uh, but this but, is a very important thing to notice, far. too, that I think people understand that, you know, there is beauty out there and there is female beauty and uh, uh, people oh, like that. That's all. That's all. Okay, I'm, not gonna say, I'm not going to say any more. Isn't that illegal now to say that? Take his like, mic. <laughs> Oh, I'm geez. not gonna say anymore. <laughs> but yeah, no, but it's like <laughs> she's a princess. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Old enough for Ken Pandas. Someone said yes, in the Ken chat Pandas. that oh, she's. Uh, <laughs> it looks like oh. someone in the chat said 32 years old and squirrel years, so it's okay. Okay, That's there it. we go. Yeah. So anyway, Charles, that? I know, I know, Charles, you have to go, and you yep, are gonna do some. Uh, you're gonna do a D and D show. What, yep. What's going on? I do Dungeons and Dragons every Friday at six o'clock, so I gotta bounce. I nice. Dungeons and Dragons. Everybody, be nice. cool. Love everybody. Laugh more. Take care, Charles. Yep. Great, great to have you here. So yep. now that we are moving away from the Sally Acorn and uh, squirrels and fe feminine squirrels and all that, oh. and moving on to Zachary Elwood. We were talking about games, and we were talking about video games. And by the way, TJ Davis, if you don't know TJ, you should know TJ. TJ is one of the greatest vocalists that I've ever listened to. She made the soundtrack for Sonic R and for what was called Metropolis. Uh, Street Racer. Yes, Metropolis Street Racer. And uh, she just has vocal chords from, uh, from God herself. <laughs> and so I think that you you guys should definitely get in touch after after the stream. And uh, Zachary, you are in the world of poker, a very different kind of game. And I would love for you to tell us a little bit about uh, who you are, how you get into poker, and uh, what kind of uh, what kind of things are interesting uh, to you right now, as far as like the books that you're writing about, the divide that you're seeing today, and how you're able to read people's uh, emotions and all that. So uh, take it uh, away, Zachary. Well, that's a big uh, lot of subjects, but basically a quick rundown. So I used to play poker for a living, you know, back in 2003 to 2007 time period. That was like my main source of income, and then supplementally on the side. Since then. And then uh, I wrote some Poker Tales books uh, starting in 2012, mainly because I was I've I'd been disappointed for a while that there weren't any good Poker Tales books out there since Mike Caro's book, which was like a classic from the 1980 or so. And uh, so I was motivated just by knowing stuff and talking to other poker players. And uh, I knew 
that there were things that people knew that weren't out there in the in the world. So uh, that was what led to me writing the first book, and that was really well received. And I wrote a couple other books. I've had one on verbal poker tales specifically, like breaking down statements and stuff. Uh, and I have a video series too. I have a psychology podcast, which is just general psychology and behavior stuff. And it was kind of tied into my interest in, you know, poker tells and general interest in psychology. Um, and then, yeah, then I also did, did some uh, independent research into um, online deception, like fake accounts, fake social media accounts and stuff like that. And I guess tying it all together is just general interest in psychology and, and reading people and stuff like that. Yeah. Well, we already have a five five Canadian dollar donation asking you, uh, PLO or Hold'em? Oh, definitely Hold'em. Yeah, I barely played any PLO. There we go. And uh, a recent uh, a recent article of yours was about uh, social media and uh, well, no, this was not a recent. This is November eighteenth. But uh, it writes over here. I've had psych and social media researchers tell me my piece on how social media divides us. Includes some psych studies they've never seen referenced before in context of social media events, including this nineteen fifty five Gerard and Dutch one. So this one, social media makes us stubborn. And I want to load up your uh, how social media divides us article over here the psychology behind how social media may be increasing polarization so i think uh i'm not the only one who uh, feels this way like uh i mean uh, tj you're from an earlier generation as am i and ntom 64 but mm -hmm. for all the uh, gen zers like metaphor man you're you're gen z right you seem pretty young now that i see your face uh what's the cutoff for gen z because i actually don't know 96 that's 96 it no, starts I've... 97 Okay. 97, 97, yeah. yeah, I'm. I was born in '91. I'm. I'm 29. Oh my I feel, god. I feel so old over here. I'm Generation no. X. No, you are. You're. I'm you're a millennial. I'm. I'm right behind you. I'm. I'm almost always the <laughs> oldest person on the stream. Yeah. Uh. So, so when it comes to being polarized, uh, you're right over here. When the subject of political polarization is brought up, some people have the response, of course we're polarized, and that's how it should be because the other side is horrible. So, like, uh, this is something that everybody else uh, may recognize as well. Like, uh, Gio, would you be able to also comment a bit on this polarization? And do you think that now, you know, 2021 maybe we're already getting a little bit tired or do you think we're going to get even more polarized? How do, how do you see things, buddy? Uh, well, did you put the, the link? Oh, yes. Let me. Chat? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. Ending. Okay. Okay. Um, did you put it in there? That, there we that go. Thing's, that thing's pretty long. And I'm actually today working on a shorter version of it because I got feedback like, you know, it should be more consumable. And I kind of agree. There was a lot of stuff in there. <laughs> like make it shorter. Yeah. I, yeah. I think <laughs> it's interesting you mentioned polarization because in some ways the debate should really be about is it a new thing that is brought about by the various what you know what they call an acceleration hyperstitional forces of social media like making these narratives into reality or is it just revealing what's already there in a more like intense sort of simulation form of it because that that is the real debate because i you know nowadays when you talk about the changing face of social media being sort of corralled by these large tech corporations in tandem, then we're starting to see that in terms of the political or cultural divides between people, there will be, I, I predict, a more, you know, steady intensification of this like 
e-tribalism and there was this really great uh, medium article about dark foresting as social media companies start banning people left and right for going against whichever like favorable consensus it is to the uh, apparatuses of power then people would just be dri driven into their own selective groups where they don't have to um, be able to be subjected to people that would uh, you know surveil them and report them and disagree with them in any sort of fundamental way so in a, like you know for example there was the um and this isn't my take this is the spandra article there was this chinese social media company that had a relative amount of freedom until the uh, chai comms cracked down on it and then what happened was as soon as all of the unique and interesting posters was were basically censored by the chinese government they retreated into private messaging groups and the social media sites still largely existed. I forget what the exact, it was called Weibo or something. Uh, the exact uh, platform. Yeah, Weibo, yeah. It, it remained, but it remained in sort of a zombified state. There was people, you know, doing like the equivalent of mainstream blue checkmark takes, but it wouldn't, it wasn't the same. It didn't have the same verve to it. But now imagine a internet-wide sort of media ecology where dissent from the norm is not tolerated anymore now you'll have basically in some ways a return to an earlier internet model where everyone's in like a little million islands of uh, text chat groups and forums mm. and anonymous image boards and so maybe that would be the future of the internet that would uh, be it would there would be a sort of a terrible stasis to what is outside of like the largest yeah. social media companies so. but that's kind of how it was in the past though mine is the right. normies where well yeah you had to work internet... to get content before yeah exactly and it started out as being like the people who put the work in who got into these communities and there was sort of a kinship because you were able to pass through the hurdles and get in unlike everybody else so now it is an interesting thing like uh zachary do you agree with what uh geo said and uh what would be like what would be, let's say, a short consensus of where do you think we are right now in terms of our disconnection? Well, uh, yeah, I think the um, when I wrote that piece, I focused on, um, I think what doesn't get a lot of attention is the inherent aspects of the internet communication that lead can lead to more extreme views and more animosity, group animosity, because I, I think a lot of the focus like on these documentaries like uh, the, what was it? The uh, social dilemma and some other ones. There's a lot of attention on like product uh, choices, like algorithms or whatever. But what I don't see people doing is focusing on inherent aspects of uh, the internet that that tend to lead to, you know, bubbles of thought and also uh, animosity-producing interactions. Like the fact that the internet is distant, you know, it makes people more likely to insult each other, and insults lead to group grievances, like feeling insulted makes you cling more tightly to your group, you know, all these. And that's what I examine in that piece, because I don't think that stuff gets a lot of traction. And I think there's a reason for that, because when you see these talking heads on like these various documentaries who are like they're experts in social media or whatever, these people are trying to get jobs. So they're not they're not uh, willing to examine the inherent aspects of the technology, because if you did, if you if you recognize that there are inherent aspects of it that may lead to these these problems, um, you know, they'd, they'd rather phrase it in terms of product choices because that means like, well, if, you, if I'm an expert, I can solve that with various other product choices, right? Uh, they don't have an uh, incentive to ex examine the inherent aspects of like how these things may be impacting us. And I think that's why, that was why I wrote the piece was because I feel like 
those elements, those those inherent aspects, whether it's like a million message boards in the early days of the internet or you know what we have now, there there's certain dynamics you know that that are at work, uh, and I think they're just more and more amped up the more people use these technologies, and uh, that's what I think is interesting. I would love to ask TJ Davis as well, because like you said, you're Gen X, so you had uh, experience living in the life without a lot of this chaos. So uh, what would be your take, like coming on social, when did you come on social media, by the way, approximately? Like when did you really start using it? I was quite late to it, to be honest, because I, I balked against the Facebook thing. Um, that was a lot to do with the fact that somebody had been on there impersonating me mm. <laughs> and I, I couldn't get it closed down um, because I wasn't on Facebook to close it down. Um, oh, and so by the way, Zach, Zachary, her song, Can They Feel the Sunshine, has 5 million views on YouTube. Okay, Just so I'll you check know. That out. I'm going to check that out. Um, and uh, yeah, so I, I didn't want to go on there and I, I wasn't that sure. I was I was a little bit sort of suspicious of it and it wasn't until I sort of started looking at Twitter and that was only around about eight years ago, really. I wasn't that, that interested at first. It was a, a sort of a brand new world. I sound really old when I say that. Um, but again, I wasn't used to it. It's the same with people turning up to live gigs being able to film everything, record everything, take photographs. You know, you were lucky if back in the day, back in the 90s, if anybody even had a camera on them, you know, nobody nobody took anything home with them, really. Um, and, um, yeah, so it, it has been massive changes, and it's just getting used to it, you know, really. Um, I, I enjoy Twitter, but I've, I've managed to stay off everything else, really. There was that uh, documentary that, Geo. I think you saw the entire thing. I just got to episode two right now. I think you know the one I'm talking about, right? The Adam, Cur the, the Adam Curtis one? Yeah. Yes, the Adam Curtis documentary. So I am up to the part where they are talking about like uh, MKUltra and how they want to see, you know, if they can make people erase their memory and replace it with something else. But it turns out you can't just replace it with something else. But now we you have... You can destroy, but you can, Im you can erase, but you can't improve. Exactly. Yeah. But now we have the internet where... The consensus, I guess, from the documentary, at least I'm seeing so far, is that people's minds are pr pretty malleable. And when it comes to how to direct people, you know, this mass communication, uh, it's able to achieve that effect. But my well, question is, how, how much of that is like people just naturally going into their own like, you know, these people go into the furry community, these people go into the whatever community. And how much of it is like direct planned action from you know some think tanks or organizations that want to get people believing Rand a certain thing in a certain way <laughs> yeah well i don't know like that's always like i'd never want to put my hat in the full ring of saying everything is pre-planned because there is so much chaos going on all the time but at the same time if you do have enough money if you do have enough influence i don't see this being beyond the realm of possibility so i know zachary in your research do you see there being an element of both in play and how much would you say would an element be of trying to social engineer people to act a certain way i mean i think i think these kind of you know ideas that there's a lot of people with specific um a lot of big groups like conspiring to do things i just that stuff does not ring true to me when i look at the world i see a bunch of people interacting in very chaotic ways and it's very hard to you know uh predict it's first of all it's very hard to plan something with more than a few people like people always talk about plans it's so hard to have a a, you know, even a few people conspiracy because somebody's going to get angry at somebody and talk. I mean, it's so easy to record things these days for all these various reasons. It's pretty hard to have 
a decent sized conspiracy. So I, I tend to think those kinds of things are not likely. But what I do see is many people trying to make various choices that they think are best, whether it's like social media trying to make the best, you know, decisions to make them the most money, you know, and they're never going to please everyone. I think that's the thing. Like we've gotten to a point where so many people view the lens through such a animosity filled uh, lens. Whereas I look at the world, I just see a bunch of people trying to do, do make their best decisions based on their philosophies and they interact in chaotic ways. Uh, and, and that's the other thing you can't, you're never going to please everyone. Like the, the fact that, you know, the, the basic, the basic problem of how do you police, you know, how does the site police its, its content or its speech? I mean, no, no one is ever going to be pleased. Not, not everyone is, you know, you're always going to be pissing off a good percentage of people, no matter what choice you take. So at the end of the day, it's kind of arbitrary in the same way that I find a lot of government decisions arbitrary. At the end of the day, they're going to piss off a lot of people no matter what you do. It's like, I, I feel like everybody's expectations are so high for everything. And it's because we've got to this point where like everybody is filtering things through a lens of like, how are they out to get me? Whereas I, I see, I just see a bunch of people randomly interacting and trying to achieve various philosophies. I don't see, you know, when I, when I, even when I, for people I disagree with politically, they have reasons for what they do. I, I, I don't immediately jump to the worst uh, interpretation of what they're doing, you know, but, but I think that's what many people do these days. They're immediately filtering it through, like, how are they trying to screw me or my group, you know? Uh, and I just, yeah, it's, I don't, I can't relate to that stuff. If, if I could, if I could uh, propose just one counter argument, it would be not so much that things are hidden. I completely agree that things are so open right now, mm -hmm. but I do believe that there is so much information that in a way it becomes security through obscurity by the fact that there is so much things for people to take in it's not going to be Info something overload, yeah, yeah people won't be able to scrutinize and go through every little piece of whatever and at a certain point if people are receiving an overabundance of a particular signal even if somebody is trying to say like, hey, why don't we pay attention to A, B, and C? There is just all this D, E, F, G, all this other stuff that's going on that they wouldn't really be there. Or if they were to be listened to, they'd be listened to just like a room full of, you know, people, you know, like that old uh, Marx quote, like I would never be a member of a club that would have someone like me as a member. You know, like they would only be the member of the people who would be welcome to having something be said. Uh, that otherwise would just be obscured, not by somebody, you know, silencing them, you know, a la House of Cards, but, you right. know, just, just ignoring, just like, you know, Leif, we have I, all this stuff we got to do. Sorry. Yeah. Leif, I, oh, go ahead. Sorry, I just wanted to say I'm going to have to leave. Sorry. Well, TJ, I'm so thankful for you being here. Uh, thank you so much. And by the way, how can people support you and your music? Where where can people um, go? Just, just keep a check on Twitter, really. That's my main. I've got my website as well that I'm supposedly updating at some point. But Twitter's a good one because I always sort of announce anything I'm doing on there. Once the world opens up again, hopefully I'll be doing live music again soon. But thanks I, I cannot wait for that. And here, follow TJ on Twitter. I am uh, putting her tweet to her Twitter account in here. So please follow TJ on Twitter. And TJ, you are wonderful. I appreciate you so much for thank being here with much. us. So thank thank you. Really, you do, really yeah. nice to meet you thank all. You. It was thank great you. to talk to you. Yeah. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Thank you.
Yeah, two Lev, I was um, going to say that yes. what you're saying is completely accurate because I just had this conversation with my dad and um, about this whole mask situation. And he was trying to tell me, well, there was an outbreak at the gym. And I said, Dad, that's not how it works. It just doesn't work that way. So I said, well, how do people get Shormies? How do normal people get their information? He's like, there's just so much information out there. It's really hard to tell what is what and where it's coming from. And you have one group that says their facts, and then you have another group that has a different set of facts. And if you're just a normal person who's not all involved in all of this stuff, you can't tell whose facts are whose. And it's just, you know, you have a history with this group of people, but this group of people is saying something different. And how do you reconcile that? So I, I, I can understand why there's people who are just like, I, I would call them just like floating. They're just like they're, they're drowning yeah. in a sea of information. No, but, it's data. Um, it's, I wouldn't say it's information. I know this sounds like a oh, name myself. or bullshit, but you know what I mean? It's like, there's, it, it's not really enough. There's not really enough backing with it. It's like, it's just fucking numbers and bullshit. It's not information. So it doesn't my, fucking... Myself, uh, this time, can you please stay on the stream the whole time? The last time you were on the stream, ah, uh, what blending is that? But by, by the way, Zachary, Zachary, just so you understand, just so you understand the inside baseball or inside poker here with uh, myself. On a previous stream, he put his phone that had the webcam on into a blender. I didn't put, I didn't put my phone in the blender, Lev. I put. I put oh, my webcam, webcam. Sorry, in the, webcam. Yeah, well, webcam. I wanted, yeah, I yeah. wanted, uh, I wanted Zachary to know. Speaking of um, the information society and, and social media, like I, I feel like they truly want to murder ship posting because we have two epic ship posters on the stream right now: Metaphor Man and Menace to Society. By the way, I have to thank Menace to Society. Uh, congratulations, one hundred percent legit, definitely legit. Definitely, this is an accomplishment. <laughs> His tweet, Joe Biden sure is firing a lot of missiles for someone that owes me $2,000, has a hundred and fifteen point six thousand likes on Twitter. Wow. Congratulations, Yo. buddy. Oh, this is amazing. Wow. Yeah. Platinum awards. Yeah. Because that. the thing is, you and... know, there's an art to ship posting that I feel um, Metaphor Man and, and, and Menace, you two have really tapped into because... What, but what does it mean to ship post nowadays? Like, what is the art of it in this social media ecology? Like, like it seems that it's a lost art form. It seems that people uh, they they want to shy away from the sort of uh, ironic ship posting that made the internet so great in previous iterations. I don't know. I'll let metaphor man go first on that one. <laughs> I don't know, dude. There's like, there's like a template, right? Like, whenever you see something on. Um, the when it says like funny tweets or something in the search bar and you look through it and it's just like the most generic dumb garbage you've ever seen like at, at no point would anyone with two brain cells rub together and be like yeah that was funny that made me laugh you know um i i don't i don't know man there's a lot of times where you see something you just a thought pops in your head and you're like you know that's it that's <laughs> that's the next it. banger yeah <laughs> well that's how any comedians uh make up their jokes as well but you're making it up specifically uh adapting to the platform that you're that you're being dealt with here with twitter but uh when it comes to this particular relationship i want to turn this over to zachary and metaphor man menace and luke and well pretty much everybody but like uh 
when it comes to this relationship that I want to start cultivating, where we do have internet shit posters that are together with professionals such as yourself, Zachary. You know, you you know, you wrote for the Washington Post and for all these big no. publications. And no, so, I didn't write for them. Oh, well, you were you were advised. Yeah, 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 mentioned, yeah. mentioned. Yeah, yeah. But but anyway, like when it comes to like you are still within more of a professional group, you could say. And we have people here who are more like uh, they're in the underground. They're like in the outskirts and they're the people that it seems like a lot of, uh, you know, tech giants, uh, you know, they tolerate them to a certain extent until they don't. And how do you see this relationship forming in the next uh, in the next year? I mean, things are moving so quickly where do you think eventually anything that's today considered to be, you know, mildly subversive, that even that's going to be knocked down and we're only going to be able to have to strive to find these underground places to get this content. Like, do you anticipate things getting so, I don't know if woke is the right word here, uh, but just so sanitized when it comes to the professional landscape because people get too afraid to speak their mind that there is going to be like this, uh, you know, this hidden thing that people have to actually work to find as far as getting content of the type that Metaphor Man and uh, Apple Dog uh, create? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. Me personally, I feel like at the end of the day, it's pretty arbitrary. I mean, I, I got my page kicked off Facebook for a pretty arbitrary reason, like for promoting online poker. And I don't even promote, I don't promote online poker. My stuff's all about live poker, for example. But when, I, when that happened, I wasn't like, I don't take this stuff too seriously. Like I can imagine getting kicked off Twitter. I post things that people are upset by. I get hate from the left and the right. You know, I, 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 I post incendiary things myself. I, I'm careful about how I phrase things because I want to, phrasing accurate accurately i'm not a shit poster i guess but I, I don't consider myself any sort of professional i just you know i'm trying to think about certain things but i, I have nothing i have nothing wrong with people shit posting but i think at the end of the day i think you know i think it's possible to be to expect too much from these companies at the end of the day they're just trying to like appease their customers so it's like so twitter doesn't necessarily i mean people accuse both twitter and facebook of being you know, some people accuse them of being, you know, too, too light on conservatives. Some accuse them of being too light on liberals. It's like, there's both these viewpoints. So yeah. it's like, at the end of the day, I think they're just trying to make money mostly. I mean, they may have, I don't think Zuckerberg is like got a, a large, uh, you know, philosophy of, I think he's just mainly just wants to run the world of social media or whatever. And, uh, you know, in the same with Twitter, I just feel like it, it's possible in the same way it's possible to expect too much from uh, news and governments. It's like, at the, at the end of the day, it's just, a bunch of people trying to do accomplish various things and they're going to get stuff wrong and they're going to do arbitrary decisions. They're going to kick people off that don't deserve to be kicked off. And like, if it happened to me, I just would be a little bit frustrated, but I'd be like, it's pretty freaking arbitrary at the end of the day. And I'd move on and find another audience because there's going to be a million other places to, you know, find people. It's going to be an increasing, you know, places to apps and platforms and that will increase, you know, continue to fracture and, I don't know. I don't see any easy answers. So you don't well, you don't think he has like an overriding philosophy that that influences how he targets certain accounts? Like you don't think that Zuckerberg? That's the case. I think I think he does. Honestly, or like I, any I mean, of these companies. Oh, I think some of them do. I, I I just think like if we took Zuckerberg for example, I think I think he genuinely is thinking about how to solve the problem. I, I don't get me wrong. I I hate Facebook and I hate Zuckerberg in many ways. Like the whole sure irresponsibility for a lot of stuff they've done but uh, I, I think at the end of the day he's just trying to think like what is the fair decision I, I really think he thinks that even though i disagree with him with a lot of stuff i think 
and like, I think a lot of these people are thinking, even if they are biased one way or another, I think they are genuinely thinking like, what is the fair solution here? Or, and, or how can we make the most money by appeasing the most people? You know, it's like, I, I, I don't, I don't well, see. Yeah, but doesn't yeah. their personal philosophy kind of like, you know, direct how they, what they think is the fair solution or not? Sure. Yeah. I'm not arguing that. I mean, I, I don't yeah. think anyone. But how much is their personal philosophy? Think... Mark Zuckerberg just has autism. But how much, how much does their personal philosophy depend on? Again, going back to that documentary that Geo saw, uh, it talked a lot about how a person deprived of any other human contact would not be able to survive. Well, unless they're like me and I meditate well, and do the Wim Hof you... method, but like how much, how much is the egregore? Like all the people who have a certain but consensus. But that's what I was going to say. Creating... It's more, when it comes to these platforms, I think Zuckerberg is a bit more malevolent than other ones. Belie controversial take, but I know we always talk shit about him because we're terminal Twitter addicts, all of us on this panel. No. But, well, not you. You got hey, rid of I'm your You don't count. Gabe. I hate Twitter. Yes. yes, I do. Uh, is that where you've been, Hotep Sophia? Um, yes, I'm trying to get Lev to come over. I'll to do Gav. it. There's just no I'm just sitting down every day. I'm trying to render. Doesn't have the same verb as uh, Paul, unfortunately. No, I don't we'll, trust we'll Torba. I'm sorry. We'll get there soon. Torba's such Torba a larper. Well. Anyways, well, that's uh, what I was going true. to say. Controversial take <laughs> is that Z um, Jack, as much as we talk shit about him, I feel that Jack is a bit more tolerant than a lot of other people. And I know I'm saying this. I agree. But what really is the problem, I feel, is the collective sentiments of people that actually work for these tech companies who largely have a very, like, succinct worldview. I feel like, for example, the pressure to get rid of Trump even was largely by the Twitter staff. It wasn't even... Like, I think Jack, he would have probably realized the implications of basically outing a sitting president from, like, one of the largest um, social media platforms, but I feel that the the staff in Twitter had a handle on that decision. But even just that, it seems like this like HR department consensus of all of these companies, that's what the real, you know, this is the real enemy rather than just blaming a figurehead like Zuckerberg or, or Jack, because I feel that, you know, we as much as we gripe about him, it's become a meme at this point to say that all oh, fucking Jack ban. Mm. Like just the other day, ban. By the way, shout out. Hope he comes back to Twitter. Thomas seven 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 got banned the other day, right? So, and he was a prolific uh, poster in our spheres. He and got so, banned like this morning. Mm. Literally, this suspended yeah. this morning. Yeah, he came back for but, a bit. But, then, but I uh, uh, but I want to make sure that Zach. Uh, uh, do you do you know like what Geo means when he talks about like this the HR department mentality? Like <laughs> I, I don't know, like if you've if yeah, you've noticed yeah, a similar yeah. thing among like because uh, that really is the fear that it's not so much about any particular you know uh, tech media giant leader because uh, you know they may have their opinions or whatever, but they are beholden to these forces that kind of twist their arm. And right now it is. I mean, look, I understand that there are, you know, some people that get pissed off when, you know, conservatives get their way. And that's also happened a uh, time in the, you know, sometime. But when it still comes to, let's say, where is most of the threat right now coming from as far as uh, people having a certain shame, people having a certain scarlet letter on them? It would be from things that would be, let's say, more offensive to talk about than not. And usually those things, at least today, would come more from conservatives or more from the right. So that's why I wonder, like, with this HR department consensus thing, 
like how much would let's say something that was considered a joke back in the 90s now be considered a faux pas how much would something that's still okay right now be considered a faux pas like 10 years from now and is that exactly you know evolving is that exactly like us becoming better people or is it something that's going to stifle us to such an extent that uh, everybody's just going to be on pins and needles in the professional world and what would that even mean for the professional world would it be able to exist how it exists today or would it take a different form or would people leave would people say you know fuck it i don't want to take part in this anymore eventually yeah well that's why I, you know i like the sam harris podcast he talks about those kinds of you know issues in a, in a serious way i think and i mean yeah it's those those are real issues like being too silenced feeling too silenced to talk uh getting you know punished for you know talking about normal disagreements or issues yeah the, those are all issues but i also think you know, and I think, you know, to talk about the decisions that Twitter makes or whoever, the, the group that the group makes at Twitter, it's like, yeah, I can imagine sitting in on their decisions and disagreeing with a lot of them being like, yeah, that doesn't make sense. But at the end of the day, I feel like it's a, is it, does it matter to me that like, say Twitter was, you know, more, more conservative or something and they were banning liberals at the end of the day, it is just Twitter. And like, if the market is there for other solutions like a big enough market then those solutions will come to exist and i think that's what happens in very polarized countries too is like you you know it's sort of the way the cable news goes you know it, it the more polarized the society gets the more these things start branching off and like so there'll be one company that is you know sort of like parlor or whatever these things branch off and for better or for worse that's just the natural outcome mm. that these polarized countries take and they they can't make their own though the the, mar the market's there for it but they can't make their own you can see what Isn't happens parlor to parlor is parlor back i thought it, it got is taken yeah off. i think it just came back yeah bit shoot also got taken down uh, gab was heavily censored and taken off of a lot of app stores it's it's you know it, it's it, but it's not even overriding... they don't even have to be taken down physically here they just need to be put placed within yeah that's inner box and like like well okay here's the thing i won't mention i won't say gab is a good example because like torbo I'm not gonna say it. I'm gonna bash Torbo, but uh, put it this way: later. he did a lot of it. He did no. He did himself no favors by the way he advertises things. But that being oh, said, oh, that's a fact. I agree. Yeah, with and that. you're on Gab. He does himself no. He yeah. if you just be quiet, sometimes people will leave you alone, like and sit in the corner somewhere. But he does not be quiet and sit in the corner. So yeah. he brings on a mm -hmm. lot of his stuff. Uh, the, maybe that's, that's his calling. I don't know. I wouldn't he, do it. <laughs> But even Parler, you could say that you don't even have to necessarily take them off, although the infrastructure is there if they get large enough. But it's more of placing them within a quarantined area, a, a Skinner box, if you will, to observe the sort of people that migrate to them. And like, for example, you even have people uh, taking Parler. Uh, what do they call them? They don't call them tweets, posts. Parls. Parles? That what yeah, they call them? I think so. Yeah. Parlays. Oh, like, Parlays. Parlays. Yeah. Why, can't you Why do they have to give it a name? Why can't you just call them posts? I know. Just uh, they just want to be. They want to be cute. They want to be fancy. Because of right? marketing yeah, departments, which is <laughs> the great Satan. <laughs> my favorite people I mean, in the world. Even the even the whole like observation thing aside, right? Because like the fact that they can just like you know anytime anytime the 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 larger powers that that you know 
that are want to take it off off they they just can and we we saw that over the election they can just take down whatever you know any of these things it's not a matter of well you know if there's a market opportunity there just go build another one no it's yeah, basically free, you yeah, have to build your own yeah. internet in order mm. to in order to get one of these like actually you know function well, but even well for example with urbit that's what their philosophy was to build like what the internet was going to be or to build like an alternative but really is that even feasible like the, well, yeah. in terms of the technological the the ability and like just the sheer server power mm. to like have this completely like exit internet yeah, and then would the government even allow you to do that right yeah, exactly. exactly that's the that's the that's the other point is, is then they'll, they'll, they'll if drag it's... peter thiel away to a black site maybe and they'll and they'll <laughs> and they'll and they'll justify it by you know the the screeching of the middle class uh you know uh, mother like that's that's who <laughs> is screaming children, for exactly that. Exactly, but that becomes <laughs> well, the, the rallying cry. That that is that is a pretty big issue. Like uh, like Zach. So when it comes to the concern that a lot of the people in the panel have today, it's not so much that people can start their own uh, social media site. It's that there's all this other infrastructure in the back. You know, including banking, even because there were experiences. Yeah, there were experiences that people had where their banks, uh, you know, let them go based on you know them saying naughty words somewhere. So, like when it comes to all this infrastructure in the back, that's a big question to me. Like, you know, is does this mean that this is a doomed scenario again until things get so heated up that things end up flipping the other way? And I don't want that either because eventually, if you corner an animal, it's going to bite. So I don't want that. But I'm just saying, well, like. Yeah, I, I think, you know, all of these things are, they all become so messy because at the root cause, at, you know, at the root cause of these problems to me is the fact that we're going through what many countries and large groups have gone through of this polarization, like this increasing polarization, take away the ph philosophical stuff. We're getting increasingly polarized. And I think everybody would agree, like liberal stuff is more, has kind of won the cultural war, at least for, right. you know, like media and, and TV and stuff. So it's on the ascendant, mean, yes. Yeah, so I mean, it's easy for me to imagine the opposite being true. I mean, I think th these things al always have impacts. It's like we've got two increasingly divergent, you know, uh, groups, political groups, uh, cultural groups that dislike each other. It, that a lot of it's not even like political. It's just like group versus group. And then you've got social media, which encourages like loose, you know, speech insults. Uh, and you've got one group that's trying to accomplish something, you know, or uh, and that and the things that they think are right are not going to be perceived as right by the other group. But at the end of the day, to me, it's like, you know, I, I think it's possible to exaggerate the the importance of this stuff because, like, if I got kicked off Twitter, if many people get kicked off Twitter, does it really matter to the state of the world? And you know, I can imagine the situation being reversed where, like you know, uh, liberal, you know, extreme liberal takes or, or bad speech were being punished more. Uh, I, See, I, I, wonder, I, I wonder if that would work, though, because, uh, like, hear me out. I'm reading a very interesting book right now called um, Ragtime by E.L. Doctorow. I don't know if uh, any anybody here has read that book, but uh, it's a very fascinating book because it takes a lot of historical things that have happened and, uh, you know, 
make certain things up to go along with it but a lot of these things are based on history a lot of the problems with the, you know the racial uh, issues that were going on back during the uh, early 1900s uh you know specifically like they were talking about like this black musician and he had a uh, he had a son and then he had this incident happen to him with these irish uh, volunteer firefighters you know who just i'm not going to spoil the whole thing for those who haven't read the book but the point is is that there is a certain point at which uh you know if people uh don't have a sense of dignity like or rather they don't receive dignity then they're going to bite back in a very horrible way where you end up having like an enemy class within your own country uh but right now like the situation is that since there is so much of this idea of you know we must we must bend the knee we must pr present ourselves as being guilty for the crimes of our ancestors for things that have happened in the past i don't see there being anything at least in the professional world you know in the world of uh, the uh, upper managerial class or whatever you want to call it that PMCs. would ever go pmc that would ever go the other direction because the only well, the only direction, uh, class, and Alexandra, yeah. thank you so much for joining us. But the only direction I see something like that going to, again, until there's like a complete overhaul, the only direction that I see that going to would be one of feeling guilt and grievance and wanting to purify oneself before, uh, you know, all, all these sins that have been committed by uh, people before you. I don't see any way, at least, I don't see any way to get rid of that feeling of, wanting to express one's shame it doesn't even mean that that person would feel shame but that feeling like on the public stage to express that shame and that uh, you know the feeling of being sorry i i can never imagine a world at least with modern technology where people within that class would do anything other than what they're doing right now uh and i just don't know like i don't know would there be a counter argument to that i i would say i actually see like i, I criticize extreme liberal stuff frequently like more so on facebook because it's people i know I, I don't i don't do as much on twitter i sometimes do but i, I think uh i actually see more people understanding that the most loud uh, vocal people don't necessarily represent a large number of people you know like and i think people are we're getting used to that like social media is in its infancy still the internet's pretty much in its infancy i think i think people i know even personally liberal people you know we they frequently mock extreme liberal people. And, and, and I think more people are waking up to the idea that just because there's a bunch of people loud online doesn't mean much. Like it's like 1% of people or whatever it is, you know, it's like, and I think more people are understanding that. So I, I would actually say that maybe we'll see, I hopefully we'll see more of a shift of people understanding even, you know, we can criticize people on our side. It doesn't mean that, you know, just because there's a bunch of loud people online, um, that that represents like a large movement, you know, it, the perception can be there for both sides, for, for any, for any group there, there can be a loud component that gives the perception that this is a meaningful, you know, movement or whatever. But yeah, I, I, I'm maybe more optimistic in that regard because I think people, more people are real, realizing that, but to your, uh, I want to mention too, you mentioned group identity and grievance and how those things play out. I want to recommend a great book by uh, Francis Fukuyama. It's called identity. It has a subtitle, but if you look up Fukuyama Identity, it's just a really great book that talks about the dynamics of group grievance and how, and it examines like, you know, current things that are going on through the, through the uh, filter of like how identity 
uh, things play out and how people feel insulted and cling to their groups and examines historical stuff. It's just a great book. It really opened my eyes to like how a lot of these things are connected. I would I'd love to uh, take a look at that. I uh, started reading The End of History by Francis Fukuyama because we did have an End of History uh, podcast with Alexander Bard, Logo Daedalus, uh, Joe Davis, uh, very, uh, very interesting, and Gio, of course, and also a small follower was there as well, Joe Pelich. That was a great episode. I'll uh, send it to you later. But anyway, uh, the one counter to that that I would do, and I would then love to hear from everybody else, but the counter would be more of our legal framework. There is a very interesting book that I read uh, called The Age of Entitlement, and that is by, uh, let's see, uh, what is uh, Christopher Caldwell, that's it. So it talked about how a lot of the laws that were passed during the civil rights era, you know, justifiably so, to correct a lot of the mistakes that were made before, a lot of the horrible, not justifiable, well, absolutely well, okay, not. Okay, we're we're gonna get to that. We are okay. Uh, we are gonna get to that. It is it is Black History Month, so it is an appropriate conversation uh, for for us to have about uh, what went on there. But just real quick before I get to uh, Hotep Sophia, what ended up happening from these laws being passed was that a lot of other groups that would be considered like victim groups, they would also be able to use the power of the law. And the question now becomes like, how far would this go as far as things like, I don't know, freedom of association, if you were like a private company, as far as who you are able to hire, who you're able to work with, associate with, and any other grievances that end up occurring along the way, legally speaking, whether this would cause unintended consequences along the way, you know, even if people are well-intentioned and wanting to implement these kind of laws. So uh, before I get to Hotep Sophia, though, I'm curious, Zach, if you would have uh, any response to that, because uh, I really don't know what to make out of that book yet, but it is an interesting thing that he brought up. So uh, let me know what you think. Yeah, sorry. I don't know much about that. The um, If you could encapsulate the uh, the, the the question really quick, maybe I I, I kind of missed the uh, the question. Sure. Well, it's ba- it's basically about like how much the legal framework that we have right now is operating, at least according to uh, Mr. Caldwell, under two different constitutions. So on one hand, we would have the Constitution, the First Amendment, that guarantees freedom of association implicit uh, within uh, within the amendment, and then we have the other Constitution which doesn't where you can't just say like i as a business you know i only want to have a b and c customers not d e and f that would be discrimination obviously but the question is is what ramifications happen from that and i don't remember them off the top of my head right now but the point is is that it seems like when something like that is introduced it's hard to you know and again going back to like saying like as an obvious example, like this business in California must have this many women or it must have this many uh, people of color or this many uh, people who are transgender. So your basic Dehuvenal theory of like inner party, outer party, there's always going to be an outer group or outer party that is fundamental to the structure, but it has to be sort of, um, what would you say? Like in wrestling, you'd say a kayfabe heel, right? So that's always a necessity to have like a villain in some sense, that's still a part of the overarching structure. Uh, Lev, are you, say, are you saying, are, are there law, are there current laws that require like certain diversity or are you just thinking like that could be possible? In the well, future? that is already the case in California. Yeah. Oh, well, here, here are you, you could speak to this because you live in California. Yeah, the bill just passed this, this uh, past election season. Um, all boards of all companies in California have to have a certain, have to meet a certain quota of diversity. I think it's 
a certain amount of representation for LGBT and a certain amount of representation for women and a certain amount of representation for minorities. I can't remember. I feel like exactly. they're fucking with people at this point when they do shit like that. I feel like this. It's, it's, it's California, to... man. Anything goes. No, it's, but I mean, know. in general, I feel like these things are just. No one. I think it's just getting to a point where it's like they're just testing well, people. No, no, no. Though, there is another. There is another more dangerous like thing it, that I see here, which is like I don't. I don't particularly like that part of it. Doesn't bother me. What does bother me though is the idea that some companies can afford to do that some companies could afford to you know um scout out you know people who are the best who can qualify within these categories other companies who are you know up and coming competitors they may not be able to do the same so already you're creating a situation where you have this tech uh you know oligarchy and everybody else in the bottom who yeah who can't get up utilizing these well-intentioned things to make everything more equal and again to geo's point about inner party outer party my concern is that this kind of dynamic would create courts would create judges that would be very biased in how they want to implement uh, you know these various laws and uh, it would play a role in how people do business, who people hire, things like that. Not, And I am for an open door as far as hiring anybody of any skin color who would qualify. But I'm just saying, like, what are certain repercussions that people who are well-intentioned may not necessarily see? I'm not sure if they're well-intentioned. I'm not sure if they're well-intentioned. <laughs> I'm sure some are. I'm sure, I'm sure some no, are. I, I, I can't I'm get sure into some, their... I'm sure some... I'm, but the reason why the law is put in place, I don't think that's well-intentioned at all. It's just this fucking, like... Um, the the people are kind of going um gay stuff this stuff and then it's just like oh maybe we should add a law because it's like the people are get some loud people are getting annoyed. I'm just... Well, I can go further Love. back if you just look at yeah. Brown versus Board of Education. That's what happened was the the people that filed in that case, the African Americans, they didn't want integration. It was the NAACP lawyers that dem- that told them they would drop the case if they didn't ask for. In- for integration they the black people have historically been okay with separate but equal was not a problem but it was the um the group who shall not be mentioned NAACP lawyers that uh came in and really took that whole thing and made it something that people didn't even want and then going on to the civil rights movement that's not what they wanted they didn't want that i mean not the way that they wrote it. I don't think people were really understanding at that time that what was said is not necessarily what you get in a law. And the laws were shorter at that time, but still, I'm assuming that nobody read it because how it's been, the language was is very, very loose. And uh, where well, Black people thought it was going to apply to them, it has applied to everybody but Black people. It, I mean, our numbers have not gone up significantly, they've gone down. They are, the Black people are not doing better than our great-grandparents. I know that the people I know are not doing better than their great-grandparents, except they've got integration. Great, that's it. Like, no wealth to go along with it. No, nothing else. Just, you get to hang out with white people. I mean, this it's just kind of something that would have probably naturally occurred anyway and was naturally occurring because you had lots of mixed communities. Mm-hmm. So, you know, this whole like second class citizen and all this stuff, this is exactly what happened. And if the the government is just allowed to continue on this track, they've already, they just passed that, um, uh, the act that said that girls can't, uh, 
you don't have to go to the bathroom of your biological gender and also permanently funds Planned Parenthood and a bunch of other stuff. It's like girls sports are gone. Poof. They don't exist anymore. You know, it's, it's I mean, these things that sound well-intentioned, if you think the government is well-intentioned, I, I have a, a bridge in um, Idaho to sell to you because there's just not. It's it's never mm. it's never been that way. It never will be that way. And the further you look back in history, you will see that it's never meant to be that way. It's just I would say real quick, though. So as far as like those who sh shouldn't be mentioned and all that, I know that there are plenty of people back then as now who would never, ever go for, you know, any of the things that people ascribe as negative qualities, you know. So, I mean, that that's just my own. I mean, you know, H H no, no, my, I my was home. I would just I just was saying that the lawyers in the case specific. I mean, the whole in. The NAACP is corrupt from bottom to top. I mean, this there's just no ifs, ands, or buts about it. But in that day, when the NAACP was created, especially into the 50s, everything was funded by philanthropists. And the philanthropists of 1900s are the same philanthropists we have today. Rockefeller, um, maybe not Gates specifically, but definitely Rockefeller, Rothschild, the same people. Uh, Morgan, all of them. These are these are the same people who mm. were the the philanthropists of the of of the early 1900s and um, uh, Carnegie, you know, giving money mm. to the black community to fund these things. And then, you know, as soon as they found a way to sort of move forward with this agenda, that's when they started with this, you know, let's integrate. Which I mean. It, it just doesn't it it doesn't even make it's not even what people wanted and, and that was a point i was just trying to make it's not what people wanted nobody asked for that the only people asking for that were the communists and i think that's probably still pretty but there much were, the but there today. were still things happening around that time and again i know that this is a book work of fiction but if we're talking about el doctoro's uh book uh, ragtime i don't know hotel sophia have you read that i can no uh, I'll, yes I'll yes i have i have read it yes so uh, in uh, so when remember now right in college. So in ragtime, I think a big thing, and uh, I'm gonna get to conscious moss as well. Uh, but a big thing in the in ragtime is, like I said before, dignity. That when you had this uh, black jazz guy who was, uh, you know, in his jalopy or whatever those old-fashioned cars were ca uh, called, he uh, went to this uh, part of the neighborhood where there was this volunteer firefighter service. And I know that this is a spoiler, but whatever. I mean, this is part of the conversation. And uh, and again, I know this is a work of fiction, but things like that, from what I understand, what I understand, these things happen, and it was a major affront to a person's dignity, for a person's humanity, where they wanted to pay a toll to go through that gate or whatever, and he, you know, didn't want to pay. He said, like, you know, this is a free road. I, I'm a free man. And they ended up trashing his car and, like, pooping on it and just doing all kinds of horrible things. Well, stuff things. like that did happen, but... I think that it's been, I, I think all of black history is blown out of proportion, to be honest, because it just, if you read the accounts of the people who were there at the, at the time, they don't talk extensively about stuff like this happening. They, they just don't. I mean, the people who make, it's, imagine some of these stories like social media. It's the very small percent of people who are having these experiences and they're blasting it the only way they have, which is through books and through newspaper articles. And so they're blowing stuff up way more, just like lynching. There was not as much lynching as they said there was, and they lynched blacks, whites, and 
uh, Indians. They they lynched everybody. It was based on whatever, but it wasn't well, just. Well, I'm not people. for anybody lynching anybody at no, all. No, I mean, I'm I think not, we got to the point. <laughs> we got, we mean, got to the point in society. Got claim, like, yeah. like anti lynching stream. You know? Yes. Yeah. Oh. The only but, lynching we're having but, here but is now, David at least, Lynch on at this least, At least we can agree now that we are still living at a t we're living at a time right now where you're not going to be able to have a business that would say, you know, no blacks allowed or like no gays allowed. And people would have an open door to be able no to go Irish to any allowed. kind that of... Was the original. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And no people Irish do have an open door <laughs> to go to any job that they want to as long as they are qualified. Although I'd say so right now things no are... Straits allowed. So. Think, oh yeah, I mean things may be skewed the other direction where yeah. if you're if you're qualified... They have you know, those. Well, some of the gun down. shops are saying no Biden voters. I mean... They did well. well they yes. did do that. In all fairness, they did. They did have like there was like there signs are bars downtown that have signs that say no Trump voters or no. Yeah, like I, I, like you know that one thing we're doing where it's like uh, if you're a conservative, don't even bother because uh, uh, my my whatever friend friends are not up for debate. Blah blah blah. Like I don't know. I personally think. I mean, maybe it's a latent libertarian thing within me when I used to be a libertarian. I don't know. Mm. I don't see a problem if like some business owner wants to like. I don't want Trump supporters or Biden supporters. I don't know. It's just a, I mean, it's yeah. petty culture war <laughs> issues. The, I think that with what Hero is speaking on about the, you were talking about the law that was passed in California, right? About um, the hiring. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I don't, as much as I want to believe in good intentions in these things, I don't think that it's done in good intentions, more so fear. And I think that unfortunately no. that initially immediately starts the dynamic off wrong and hostile and people are becoming res more resentful towards each other. It's doing the opposite of what the, what they are intending to do, which is going to backfire so badly and it, it the intentions are not good it's fear-based it's it, it's fear-based mm -hmm. as in trying to appease um an angry yes. small percentage of people and yeah. then it's making everybody resentful towards each other the the footing is starting off so badly um it's not natural it's not happening naturally it's not letting people grow naturally to this and be human beings and adapting it's being forced awkwardly in a pandering way that's making people more hostile yeah, yeah I, I think agree. your point of removing humanity is is extremely important. I think it does remove. Hold on, one at a time, one at a time. Hold up, Sophia, go for it. Yeah, then menace had a point. Oh, that's how yes. I said it, it removing it removes the humanity from the situation. It removes the actual person and and replaces it with uh, the government. You know, it just re literally mm. removes the actual person. So I totally agree with that part. And uh, who, yeah. who 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 was next? Oh, menace. I was going to say that I think that Conscious Moss is totally right about the the fear, and it's kind of trying to, like, you know, calm the angry mob a little bit. But I also think it's, I, I think it's part of it, but I think it's also designed to pit people against each other and kind of, like, keep us, the lower beings, like, arguing with each other and angry on both sides. It's just... I think it's intentionally inflammatory as well. Um, I don't know. I and that's think... what the misinformation. Sorry. Well, no, you, no, you no, finished you go ahead. 
But it's like, that's where all, like, the, if we go back to the data thing before, that's why there's just, like, so much fucking new data, and that's basically what, like, propaganda does and stuff. I mean, we've got these re I really fucking hate these that are around in the UK, these, like, uh, would you tell this person that you did some minor bullshit that doesn't matter, like the six distance things? I'm pretty sure you've seen those. Those fucking piss me off. It's that same kind of shit. It's the trying to get people to like hate one another. It's like, did you? So you you bumped into me. I need to like walk down the street and like show my back to you if you're going near me and shit like that. It's just fucking. I don't. I, I'm. It's just people are like so self interested, and I am. But then this is fucking. I'm trying to like figure it all out and it's mm. fucking the government's not because I, I i think uh i i think it is largely fear and i think for the most part a lot of these companies at least uh most of these decisions decisions are made out of fear but i think in a lot of cases maybe it's mostly coming from the hr departments maybe in some cases from the top up um and a, a lot of cases i i genuinely think that part of it is a a, a sense of um antagonism towards the uh current working class of the country and a desire to to have them uh replaced and moved out sooner than uh they're, they're trying to force yeah. that through as best they can i, I think that's, that's another part of it way. yeah basically <laughs> there's an there's an entire class in this country that the uh ruling elites whether that be uh, the the people that buy into the ideologies that they learn in college and then infect the HR departments, the the ideological figureheads that run some of these companies, the whoever it is, it's 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 this antagonism towards that mm. that part of the country. Well, that, that just, part of the country you know. becomes a scapegoat. So it'd be like if you can't if you can't make fun of it, you can't do anything against anybody else. So this is the one group of people that is absolutely free for you to do as you please with, and that is a dangerous thing for any group of people to yeah, be this, in. Yeah, these these are the privileged people. These are these are the uh, these are the opioid addicted, uh, depressed people in middle America that are killing themselves. As they're the privileged people. But uh, Zachary, would you think that it makes sense what Hotep Sophia was talking about as far as, let's say we were to rewind the clock back and there wouldn't have been the civil rights movement, at least in the way that it was, and there would have still been freedom of association. Do you see certain dangerous precedents, though, that would have been set by still maintaining this freedom of association? Or do you think that people would have, you know, kind of stayed in various communities but still kind of gotten along and had a uh, had an open door policy like for example i want to bring up verse laloon great friend of the show but he can never make it on friday but uh verse he his father is a really uh wonderful professional uh uh dancer in new york city and he didn't grow up in new york he came to new york from somewhere else but the point is that what got him interested was you know this art of dancing you know modern dance or whatever so and it didn't matter, you know, what color he was or whatever, like verse, you know, he's a black African-American, whatever you want. To call I don't like using the term pe pe person of color. I just find it weird. But anyway, when it came to his dad, he found a niche that he was interested in. And there was an open door for him to go in that niche and be a part of that. And you could say, like, sure, like it's a rainbow coalition of people who are within that group. There's somebody from everywhere. What unites them is this interest in dancing. And that's what I like. I like having groups in like urban urban areas or whatever where it doesn't matter where you come from or what culture you come from like as long as you strive to be the best at this particular thing within the group then that's great but i also don't want to take away from having certain like in groups within more localized areas that kind of feel a more familial connection with each other at the same time and can the two things coexist you like 
again, going back to my question of if we were to wind the clock back, uh, would a freedom of association work in that sense or or not? Well, you know, I'm no expert on these topics, but I think without the Civil Rights Act, you know, things would have eventually gotten to a similar point, I think. But I think the idea was to speed up things, which, you know, I, I could, I could see arguments both for and against it. I think it's a complex topic. I, I, I think there were a lot of, uh, despite what, uh, Hotep Sophia said, I think there were a lot of black people from my understanding wanting to be integrated. I mean, there were like protests out in the street and stuff. I, I, I don't know much about that though, but I, uh, that's my understanding. But, um, yeah, I don't know. These are, these are complex topics. I mean, I think that California law you mentioned, I wasn't aware of that, that I want to learn more about that. Cause I just, I'm reading about it now and it just seems, I, I agree. That's not, it doesn't make you sense should, to me. You should yeah. look through all of the bills that were passed recently. Some of them are some doozies. <laughs> Yeah. Well, and, and I think, you know, to bring it back to what I was saying before, Lev, the, uh, you know, I, I think more people, more liberals are, are waking up to the, how illogical a lot of this stuff is, because I mean, I, I, I talk to liberals about this stuff and I think, I think people, uh, under, you know, more people are, are thinking that these kinds of things are illogical because, you know, for this kind of thing, like how would you define what groups are underprivileged or minority? It's like, there's a lack of logic in like, well, if you're going to include that group, why not this other group? Or how would you even break it down logically? I, I feel like there's some logical failings there. Not to mention the whole, like, if you're, you know, if you're giving benefits to this group, you're not giving benefits to this other group, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so I think, I think more, I think more liberals are under understanding how those things are illogical. And I kind of in the same way, I feel like we're getting used to the idea of, uh, hopefully getting used to the idea of, social media and how it impacts us and stuff. I, I feel like maybe, you know, all of these things kind of go in cycles where it's like people, a, a group overreacts and then like their group starts, the group starts to realize like maybe we went too far and maybe we shouldn't listen to the extreme people in our group. And these kinds of dynamics are always happening with any group. And I feel like maybe it's more extreme these days because of social media. But uh, anyway, I feel like, yeah, they, yeah, that that's my thought. <laughs> No, that that is a really good uh, thing that I want to incorporate into uh, BTR because I see there being people who are fleeing from this, uh, you know, sense of dread that's around the corner. Uh, that they don't, they are liberal and they don't want to take part in any of this wokeness. There was a similar thing that happened with uh, that New York Times article about uh, sl I always call it the Slater Star Codex, and I know that's not what it's called, but uh, you're aware of that whole uh, brouhaha Slate that occurred. Stars. Slater. Yes, late. Yes, late. AC Slater. From, uh, <laughs> yeah, Saved by the Bell. Exactly. But uh, that that was a very mm -hmm. uh, that that was a very interesting thing, and I disagree. I disagree with Mencius Moldbug when he wrote that uh, you know um, that Alexander was like a uh, quokka. You know what a quokka is? It's one. It's like this creature in New Zealand, I think. It's a like quokka? a cute little quokka. Yeah, it's like a cute little adorable little guy who like doesn't have any any natural predators, so he's like friendly with everybody. I hate like stupid faces. Yeah, no, I I like those faces, but I disagree with his uh, with his um with his. Uh, putting in uh, Alexander as the quokka in comparison to the New York Times journalist because I don't think Alexander was making Scott Alexander was making his point to the journalist because Moldbug's whole thing was like oh like you know uh, here is how to properly talk to journalists and uh, he wasn't talking to the fucking journalist I think he was talking 
through his response to the now former New York Times readers. And I know several people who were subscribed to the New York Times who, after that whole thing, unsubscribed from it. And I think his letter also had a lot to do with it. He was basically preaching to the people who knew what he was talking about. And still, you could say, oh, he was using the term ally. And ally, it's like a term in war, you know, used for, like, you know, allies. like Just in the you allies, know. yeah. Yes. Wait, yeah, like what do he... you disagree with Moldbug there, Lev? So I disagree with him basically stating that he was, like, too gentle with the uh, with how he talked about these things to the journalist, uh, like a quokka talking that's, to like some wildcat, and the reason why I disagree. Really, no, okay, Peter. That's not really what Moldbug was saying. Moldbug is sort of saying that dudes like Alexander, uh, they're sort of uh, always playing this game where they're holding back from certain truths or insights just to appease certain groups in power which is true that's what uh, alexander does but his specific well just real quick though his specific thing that he was doing there i i I at least think is that sure you could say that he was using the same language of the people in power whatever but his thing was specifically meant for the people who have now unsubscribed from new york times so by communicating to them in the way that you know you say he did it, I think, did have it's, a positive effect. It's in that, an yeah. overall critique of Alexander's entire way of thinking and behaving. So, like, these are the people who will put up a mild fight on something that doesn't matter. But when something matters, they will fold instantly. And there's many such cases, right? So, uh, you don't want people like that to be celebrated. You should take them down because uh, they kind of hold everything behind this wall. But, you know, who knows? Maybe the wall will win. I don't know. No, but that that's an interesting point. I mean, could you elaborate a little bit more on, like, what other examples are there of people uh, acting like that? And I know that's probably everywhere, but it's hard for me to remember other instances at this moment. Mm, I mean, I don't have specific cases off the top of my dome, but it's something you see just out and about, and people posting even people talking it's just uh, the state of the world right there's a certain limit mm-hmm. and you stay within the limit even if you know the limit is retarded and wrong just to sort of be safe right and most people are cowards so this well is it goes back to what we were talking about in the beginning here where people are under this uh pressure to have this feeling of wanting to you know act even if they may not think it, at least act and show themselves as being somebody who's pure, somebody who would atone for whatever problems happened before. And it may be, I mean, Zachary, it's, I wonder I if you agree with this or not. Like, no? I think well, it's just purely just to be safe. Like people are so scared to be out of line. Well, yeah, poker, I mean, that, that's what I'm saying. People are scared to be out of line. <laughs> no, well, that's why I said uh, that I'm sure many of them aren't even assuming that they're pure like i'm sure a lot of people in the back of their minds they may be thinking oh this is such bs but they still go with it exactly you're right peter they go with it because they're so scared of doing something otherwise but i guess my counter to that would be that at least within that environment i think scott alexander did a good job by making his message tailored to the people who are maybe within that same fear zone but trying to take them a little bit further away from at least the wor- the worst things 
that are, uh, you know, that are around them, like taking them away from total wokeism. And this maybe you could true, say that's yeah. not enough, but uh, no, I know it we'll... could be right. You could be right, hundred uh, percent. I I just disagree, like fundamentally. I think. Well, it's uh, like we're it we're, we're work, in the. But it might work. I could be wrong. We're in the tank call. I don't know, Zachary. Do you think something like that would work, or do you th agree with Peter? I think that... I think Scotty was too. I don't know. He did it to himself in some ways. Not On that note, himself, guys, but... I gotta oh. bounce. Luke, hold on. Before you bounce, I want to promote your stuff. So, guys, oh, yeah. Luke Valentine is an amazing yeah. artist. Uh, Zachary, are, are you a fan of uh, Baywatch? Um, I've seen it. Okay, so that's, they're, that's they're... a bit of a superficial uh, comparison. Thank you very much, Les. Well, anyway, read Splatterbrain. It's the greatest webcomic to come out in the last decade. Yes. You're going to love check it. it out. Google the it, first the... result. It's amazing. The reason you why I mentioned it, you'll be addicted. It's beautiful. Look, look, at, nice. look at this girl oh, over that's here. It's really pretty. Thanks. Yeah, See, this is I why did, I was um, saying Baywatch. I collaborated on a webcomic recently, too. Um, although, personally, I don't recommend it. It's called Luigi Mode. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, I did. I like the name. Coloring for that, and I helped, um, I helped with the production. Wow. But, yeah. <laughs> Luigi Mode. Luigi Mode. Liv, I have to go, too. Oh, Hotep Sophia, thank you so much for coming yeah, in. Bye. And please, bye. Nice seeing beautiful. everybody again. Right. Nice to see you. Thank you. Your baby was so beautiful. Good night. Oh, yes. thank you. Good night, guys. Good night. See you again. Good night, everybody. And here, here's uh, the splatter brain link. So, guys, go to oh, yeah. uh, tapas.io slash Sierra slash splatterbrain. <laughs> I can't say it right. You know what I mean. Come on, rolls off the tongue. Yes, yes. No, I have I have a Russian tongue, so just uh, you know, it it is what it is. But Luke Valentine, brother, thank you so much for coming in. I love your artwork, and uh, you, I man. hope one day you will do a collab with uh, Cream of Dog, where you will draw him and his giraffe uh, <laughs> wife or girlfriend. Hey, mate. Hey, maybe anything's possible. You never know. But yeah, uh, yeah I'll see you, fellas. Y'all have a good see night. See you, brother. Take care. So, uh, and also everybody subscribe, subscribe, and subscribe. All the new people who are here from the Sonic fandom, we need more Sonic fans here. So anyway, uh, Zachary, I'm curious uh, whether you agree with Peter Faust or you think uh, I may be more correct when it comes to this audience of Scott Alexander's, the way that he was doing the, com you know, the response about the New York Times thing. Yeah, sorry, I, I I didn't follow that too much, and I don't know about that specific oh, area. But... Okay, yeah, I don't think many pe do many people know who Moldbug Hair is. Like, I'm well, so no, no, we're talking do, about but... Slate Star Comics, yeah. who was pretty oh. popular at the time. Okay, I've heard yeah. about that a bit. Yeah, I heard about that a bit. Uh, but but to your general question of like, are we going in the direction of more people becoming more, you know, um, having to express shame or more extreme liberal stuff being enacted? I mean, I think that's really hard to say. I mean. I don't think so because I think it underestimates how much, um, you know, how much that is a pretty niche thing and that most people would object because I think American people especially are pretty free freedom loving loving. So I think there's a limit to, uh, you know, how much that, how far that stuff can, can go. And I think it's, it's hard to, it's super hard to predict the dynamics of any, how any country goes. I think, I mean, like these, there's many other countries that have been through, polarizing you know group polarization stuff and i think anybody any even political expert you know polarization 
expert would be hard pressed to like say, oh, I can predict how these dynamics are going to go in a specific country. You know? And then, and on my podcast, I mean, some people might be interested. I went through on my psychology podcast, I went through a kick where I was like really interested in the polarization stuff. And I interviewed a lot of like political polarization experts talking about how these dynamics work, you know, and how they played out in other countries. Cause I, I was interested in like these root causes, like behind the scenes kind of root causes. So I think people might be interested in that. And I would love to be on you 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 say uh freedom loving people so what do you think about this year of uh of quarantine i mean well that's you know i i did want to say too because uh <laughs> I, I want i meant to bring up earlier like when we talk about all these things going on like these extreme things like you know the the, the protest oh somebody work. has their audio oh. on oh. who is that is that these root causes like hey that's me Alexandria, you have your audio no, on. Yeah, I know that no. voice. It was no, you. Wait, wait, wait. There we go. It was Alexandria. Like, Who, who's talking right. over me? <laughs> me. Uh, um, no, I was going to say, I meant to say earlier, like, I feel like, you know, it's possible to look at all this stuff that's happened in the last year that's the extreme stuff and interpret it in various ways. But I think at, at the end of the day, you have to, we have to remember that um, we've been going through some crazy things, you know, like, uh, you know, I, I don't think things would be at, at, at reached as much of a head as they have without like COVID and the responses to that, you know, like there, and it's hard to know exactly what the right decisions are. And I think like there wouldn't, there, we wouldn't have reached this head of like, you know, we wouldn't, there, there wouldn't have been as much, as much violent, uh, George Floyd protest stuff. There wouldn't have been probably the, the, uh, January 6th stuff at it without COVID because everybody's like, Locked it, locked down, not doing as much. They're consuming more internet stuff. They're they're existentially kind of destabilized from from not having an outlet. Their lives were disrupted. I mean, I think all these things are related. And and um, you know, as far as like the lockdown response, yeah. I mean, there's there's just so many angles of this thing to talk about. And I and I, I just like want to know, yeah. like, are Americans freedom loving people? If if they're gonna tank a lockdown for a year, I don't know. I don't know if it's still true. I mean, the American people is much different than well, they were a hundred years ago. I mean, I just I, it's a complicated subject because I think most people. I mean, when you look at the statistics, most people across the board, uh, left and right, believe that you know we needed strong responses about the the, the COVID stuff. So I. I I think that there was a majority of people that recognized it was a serious thing, um, even if you, some people might disagree with that. So I think, it, and, and it's always possible to say we could have done X better. Uh, and another thing, you know, like people would say, well, if we if we had done it better immediately, there would have been, you know, mm. less need for more lockdowns long term. You know, that's another argument. I just, I just think there's no. But this you know, points out to waste it. Yeah. this points out safety is a higher principle than freedom right now. For the American people, then this is what you're saying, essentially. Well, I'm because not saying freedom, that. Freedom, you know, it's it, it has to do with freedom. You can't just sort of throw it to the side and say, "Oh, no, no, for now, safety," and then later, freedom. Well, it's not just freedom. You've got to pick more... something. People are responding to the the government regulations. It's not like you know that that 
that every person be believes that safety. Right, but that is, is that is an interesting thing, though. Responding to like in Canada, they have even stricter government regulations than in America, uh, most parts in America at least. But what brings me to mind is when it comes to anything like forget even forget uh, uh, all these uh, lockdowns and just let's focus on I don't know. Let's say that there is some country out there that imposes you know something pretty draconian. Uh, like, let's take uh, China, right? And China has this whole, you know, the Great Wall. They have this whole spy network of watching what you do and the social credit system and all that. And they proposed the social credit system years ago. You know, like, they announced it. It was coming. It was on its way, but it wasn't there yet. So I wonder if uh, Nietzsche's master-slave uh, mentality plays into both like the Americans or Chinese or Russians or whoever would be under the thumb of something that we would say is relatively draconian. And what I mean by that is if people, let's say, if something happens and people don't respond in such a way that they would even be able to risk their life for overcoming some kind of a draconian order, would that mean that they have enslaved themselves, even in a minor way, by doing so? Was that for me? Yeah, uh, it's oh, for everybody, sorry. but I would, love, I would love... It's the moon everyone's spacing out. It's the full moon. It's yes, not, I would love to no, get everyone up. I, thought no, I just speaking. got back from work, man. I'm tired. Yes. I thought you were speaking something specific. For all moon on a Friday, man. No, I mean, it's... Yes. I was going to say, I mean, to, to Peter's, you know, point about uh, the lockdowns, uh, I mean, I think it's hard to compare a global pandemic, like what's normal to what's to what happens during a global pandemic. To me, like, you know, things would obviously be much different if we didn't have a global pandemic. But, you know, in the same way that like if a comet hit the earth or something like we would have, there would all be sorts of weird extreme responses to it. And I, I don't I don't see that as reflecting like the usual how things would usually go you know like the like for example like i mean if if we hadn't done anything like you know and and there would be a lot more deaths like there'd be a lot of people upset with that too it's just there's no easy answers to to it no matter what and i i, I think it's to a certain extent it's like how we can't compare the extreme to to the normal i don't know True. But, no, but and again, I'm not advocating for what I'm about to say by any means. But if there were like a situation where let's say you were living in some tribe and somebody went to the tribe and they want to capture you to enslave you. So you have two choices. You could either be enslaved or you can fight and possibly die from uh, doing so or win, but possibly die because they're they're outnumbering you. They have a lot better weaponry, whatever. So I guess that was what Nietzsche was talking about, where he saw, let's say, more of an honor of people that beyond a certain threshold of indignancy, much like the character that I was describing in Il Doctoro's uh, Ragtime, you know, that that level of indignancy of having his car shat on and ripped apart by these uh, Irish volunteer firefighters was enough for him to demand justice. And if it and since it was not demanded, he went out and he did things that today people would add in Minecraft at the end of. You know what I mean? Like, he uh, he did not have the slave mentality. He had the master mentality or morality or whatever you want to call it, where you wouldn't put up with a certain amount of injustice 
and you would react even if it means that your life from here on in is going to be ruined or you're going to die. You know, that there would be like a certain thing where, okay, I'm fine with this, I'm fine with this, and this, and again, I'm not saying that this would be the lockdown, I'm just saying in general, any kind of authoritarian heightening, that at a certain level, okay, that's it now, I don't care if I live or die, but if I don't do this, then I, I become a slave. Well, no, I mean, well, the, the key distinction, though, Lev, is that Nietzsche was saying that you give yourself the moral law to follow. That's or you rather create a moral law for yourself rather than some kind of herd mentality. That's the distinction. It's not an amoral philosophy. It's it's more of a so, for example, if you deem it, you know, that you follow certain social regulations because you've done that for yourself rather than, uh, you know going along with the herd as he called it in zarathustra the herd animals so. i mean and again it's a very in your right geo and it is a very extreme example that i've posed i don't think anybody here like uh, uh buff said over here you know if americans don't rise up against the federal reserve then they are all slaves to the federal reserve and of course you know uh, nobody slobs he said slobs slobs Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. So, oh, and Peter Faust, five dollars. Thank you, my friend. Sending super chat for Peter Faust, legendary poster. Well, that's thank from me to me. Yeah, Let's oil go. Tycoon. You're an oil so, tycoon, Peter Faust. That's why you've given a lot of money to be the great How and powerful. He, yeah, he's a 50, $50 patron. $50 patron to our Patreon. Speaking of which, guys, go to patreon.com slash break the rules, become a patron. But to the point, again, it's like, I'm not going to be rising up against the Federal Reserve, and I'm sure many people are unhappy about the Federal Reserve. But people do have an image in their heads of a more rugged American that existed way back when, like some uh, throwback that at the slightest indignation that they would have experienced today, they would have just like torn their shirt off and just started punching people and just the like mythical chimping. Exactly. Like of, people, of people, America. people feel that this quality has been erased through people being a lot more within the hug box, being a lot more gentle, kind. And there are great positive at attributes of that. Cause again, like we're more tolerant of other people who are different from us. And I think that that is a positive attribute. But when it comes to balancing severity and mercy, like, I think, uh, Zach, uh, this is a thing that a lot of people have in their minds when it comes to was there this legendary, rugged individualist uh, while at the same time caring for their family and community American that would have resisted things that today people end up being way more passive towards. And I well, think that yeah. that's the crux. I think, it, you know, uh, I, to me, it comes down to how comfortable, happy people are, because it's like, if <laughs> how much are you actually suffering is what it comes down to, because in the old days, like people, people weren't, you know, weren't as weren't as content. Um, well, you know, we, we still obviously I'm not saying we don't have people suffering today, like, uh, but I'm saying relatively uh, uh, compared yeah, to rel 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 relatively uh, it, and uh you know people's lives were shorter they had less less to lose uh, uh i feel like these days you know if if you're if you're saying that people are more uh placid about things i mean i think it just comes down to well you know how, how well am i doing how you know how much is this stuff really impacting my life you know because like for example i can i can criticize many many things but at the end of the day like i feel like i'm living my life and um 
not too impacted by, by a lot of things that, you know, seem like they get a lot of, in, in, you know, traction is important on social media or whatever, you know, it's like, it, so I think it just comes down to that. Like if you started having the obstructions where people were feeling like this is really making my life harder, then, then you'd see some stuff. Yeah. Do you have kids or anything though? Like, because I think the argument is for people with kids or for young people, it's a bit different if you know what I mean. You mean for, do you mean for in general or just for lockdown kind of stuff? Or? Just in general, with all the things that are happening, like the effects, you know, they'll roll down. Oh, the yeah. Line. yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, I think there's, yeah, I don't have kids, but uh, I know what you're saying. It's like on the, whether we're talking about left stuff or right stuff, there's like theoretically a lot to get angry about, you know, if whether which side you're on. Uh, yeah. And I can, I can see that too. Um, but yeah, I think to explain people, you know, if, if there's just so many theoretical things that people can, can get angry about, I guess that's the other thing too. It's like, what would you even focus on? Like, how, how do you solve these problems? You know, it's like, even if I think something's that's happening is very bad, how would, how would I even going about, go about solving it in a way that wouldn't make it worse, you know, or something. And, and if you were to be hungry, if you were to be in the situation where you wouldn't have that much to lose, you know, that's, uh, that that's the unfortunate part of it, right? Like since we do have creature comforts, since things aren't affecting us as horribly as it would in the past, in a way that may make us lose the freedom that we cherish so much, because there's no incentive for us to fight for it if we're already comfy. And that is like the big concern here, not so much quick actions, but like a slow and steady drip. And again, I'm not attributing this to anybody, you know, scheming behind the scenes, but just like in general, more of these laws being passed by people, some of whom have good intentions, some of them who have bad intentions, but in general, just like the slow drip towards an acceptance of totalitarianism like the Chinese are experiencing right now. And like, if you look at the people in Hong Kong, they have the complete opposite of the slave mentality where they have experienced what it's like to live in relative freedom. And they see the things that are going on in mainland China. They don't want any part of it. This is why they were protesting so much. So, and they were willing to risk their fucking lives. Like, th that is an example, I'd say, of that American quality that they've absorbed. Uh, and, uh, like, I wonder what exactly it's going to take for us. And I hope that certain freedoms we will be able to preserve without necessarily having to lose them before trying to get them back, if that makes sense. I think many poker players have children. Do you know what I mean? I know this is completely unrelated. <laughs> that's that's to completely screen. random. No, I but, know, I, but, no, but I am willing to before. change this to a poker conversation. Peter Faust, no, you're a poker a player, right? There's a, I'm, a, I'm a fish. I'm, I'm purely a fish, recreational. I give money. I don't make money. But I think there's probably a decent amount of people who play for fun, who have uh, kids and families and so on. Come on now. I know, yeah. I know. I'm not that's, saying that's it. I'm not, I'm not saying it. I'm not saying family, though. I'm not saying about like, family, yeah, exactly but it's escaping the family. Yeah, I just part of me thinks that like a lot of poker players probably don't have children, but they probably have like spouses because they're like looking at all the data all the time and stuff in like poker, right? But then it's just like then they think about the date of the children. It's like they analyze the risk too much. Like I'm not having kids because they could die in childbirth or something. It's like not that. very know. optimal to have kids. Yeah. It's, uh, By the way, Buff, I'll always. <laughs> 
always well, neg always negging in the comments here. He writes, "Epic Hong uh, Hong Kongerino, Big Chungus, Funko." Yeah, I, I I I get it, Buff. I understand what you're talking about because this is the other thing. Like Americans see the Hong Kong the, people, the like, epic oh. CIA funded Hong Kong protesters. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 again, and again, and again, hold on, hold on, hold on. Even here's the thing. Yeah, even if the CIA is okay, but you're, real quick, even if the CIA is was funding certain things in Hong Kong, I don't. I don't care. Fine, because uh, I don't. I don't. Yeah, like I don't care much Come either. On. I'm just. Yeah. I'm, I'm making the point. Yes, but anyway, Gio, go on. Poker yeah, time. Yeah, I, I mean, it is. I mean, that's not the first time. I mean, well, God, they've well, done this on hundreds that, of times. On that, on yeah, but it, I think there's something that um a lot of people <coughs> can't but uh, don't take into account on this <laughs> is the is the idea here that people uh even if they're being funded by somebody their actions are speaking louder than uh the money because exactly. being murdered uh money is irrelevant instantaneously there's no it, if i if somebody gave me a billion dollars and then shot me in the face it does nothing for me so um them well, being then funded if... i understand that it, there is optics here i i'm fully aware of all of the other aspects here but it, it they it doesn't matter to them. They don't care. They don't care about the fact that you might find it unpalatable that the CIA is the one helping them. They don't give a shit. They just want to not be black bagged. So they're yeah. doing anything that they can and they will potentially die for it. And that's what he's trying to say. That's the admiration. That, that, uh, to, 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 you, could, you could equally say that it would be immoral for them to not take you know, black ops funds from the CIA because <laughs> then their way of life and culture dies. You understand? Like, it, it's one thing to critique from the outside, but I think it's it's a wholly different thing to be on the inside of that and know that it doesn't really matter who's funding you for your life. Uh, you should think well, about the like fact the that... it's like the Kurds. They'll take funding from anyone at any time. Exactly. You should, you should think about the fact that, that why are they giving me this money, right? But that comes... For them, that comes yeah. later. And by they the don't way, have time and, for that. They just, and I, wasn't, I wasn't and, making a fully serious point, man. I'm just, you know. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm, and I'm much, simply bringing this up, this idea. As much as, yeah. as much as I love the chat and appreciate all the great people in the chat who are watching this, I do have to pick a bone with Alexander DeLarge. Uh, his, and by the way, that is a great movie, Clockwork Orange. I saw it when I was 10 years old or something. But anyway, he, he writes, like, what would be the consequence of Hong Kong remaining semi-independent uh, gay marriage? So it's like, I don't know, like, when I see something like that, it's like, dude, like, I don't know if he lives in China or not, but it's like, if you were to live in a place like that, and you would think, okay, just like, don't make, don't, don't do any Winnie the Pooh jokes, and you'll be fine. I I'm had just a stream. Why gay marriage is the first thing that he's like thinking of about it. No, but it's, it's like, like I had some, no because like you know liberalism no, and all that's that kind the of meme stuff. Of like um, like American Empire. Yeah, they're gonna spread yeah. drag queen story hour. And, yeah, and that's but it's it. like I would no, rather have drag is... queen story hour than people like who I had on the the show about China. We had uh, the uh, Uyghur lady, and we also had on uh, uh, the member of the Falun Gong. <laughs> Yes. No. Stop it. Stop it. Okay. No, I'm not so, trying to anyway, I don't know. Anyway, anyway. America. Anyway, when America's it comes when it comes to these uh, <laughs> these two people who I had on the China on the China stream, you know, like one lady, oh. she was in one of those camps 
and she was tortured and she like had her organs taken and uh, you know they have rich people from Saudi Arabia lining up to get freshly harvested organs from uh, the uh, Chinese prisoners and I'm sorry dude but it's like if that's what you would rather live under you know just because they happen to be like a base and red pilled you know like heavy hand government again like this government I don't think it's gonna last for a long time this top down bullshit and again it's like they no, have again, people this in the... is the problem with like that particular form of like online cinephilia because then it's i don't know there's a lot of things about the chinese system that would you it's like when you look at it do you really want that and you know what i mean like it's yeah like it's if you're gonna pick to, like, like a totalitarian government to go like to to root for like china is not the one you want like it's probably the worst one you could possibly pick well because like okay think of it's horrific like, the, Think of like the political elites in North America having the ability to do what the Chinese government can do. With oh my God! Programs. Oh my so God! So think about what it a, that way. What a what a spine chilling <laughs> yeah. idea! Nightmare, Jesus right? Christ! Yeah, we know we'd all be dead. But that being said, the the other side, like <laughs> a lot of like boomer conservatives on Fox News, they talk about China. Like, okay, China maybe is uh, a geopolitical threat in a sense, but. I don't know. They they kind of it's certainly in America they make too much of it. In Canada here it's a bit different because the, Chi because the Chinese we're, we're business gonna, class has they're actively invading like the Zerg. Like it's literally <laughs> yeah. it's it's like yeah. the creep is coming from the from the East Coast. Like they're just slowly spreading from well, Vancouver. The Chinese business G class oh, is basically exactly. Spreader. Yeah. Geo, I'm gonna I'm gonna say that yeah, it's a more like physical threat in up there, but I'm gonna I, I'm gonna push back and say that I, I think they're a serious threat to America in the sense that they're um manufacturing capabilities and through trade they're they're a huge threat to the working class of america oh like, no doubt can, no can doubt. i hot take can i hot take real quick yeah, sure um i think personally i think they already won um, yeah no i agree a, it's just agree. a slow it's a slow fall i don't think that their that their win is as um like totalit like they're uh, china is in you know we i'm not i am by no means some sort of foreign policy expert but to me china has always been a paper tiger that is still very like just because it's an illusion doesn't mean it doesn't work which is the strange yeah. part like they they can still do what they're saying it's just going to be way more poorly done than than how it looks on the outside like uh, right. I, i've i've made well, the metaphor it... of the building filled with styrofoam it's mm. like it looks really nice on the outside, but it's literally made out of nothing. You, you mean like garbage. the buildings they have they have in China? Yeah, They're... no, uh, yeah, yeah, it's plaster <laughs> it's the on the outside of the building. That's what I mean. It's it's a metaphor for the whole system. Like that that is micro and macrocosm of that country, and it doesn't mean that they can't that the building still can't kill you. It just means that you shouldn't. Be, it's not a really right. a building. Like I don't know how else to say. It's not real, but it can still hurt you. What so, do you mean by they won? I'm curious what you mean by they won. I don't. Do I don't think that. I uh, I think that the United States is um uh, has sort of like a a military hegemony, but that is going to end, and there is no way for it to like. This is slowly becoming a clown show on all sides. And so you think there's... China's like won I... over in military power then? Uh, no, I think uh, if we were to put it in civilization, the game terms, they they they're they're winning in a in a from a like a mercantile or commercial standpoint. They're they're winning but they, but in the in the create, sense that. But do they create things uh, as opposed to just copying things 
uh, relatively speaking, they don't, they don't create, but you don't have to create to win. Like that, that's what I mean. It's, this is, it's not well, that, that, that assumes we're done creating, but again, like this rise in technology, I mean, sure, you could say right now, what do we have? We have like the iPhone that's just like the iPhone that came before, whatever. My whole point, though, is that we may be in a stage right now that certain technologies, maybe they're not even being unveiled yet, but uh, okay, well, I mean, how, I put yeah. it this way. Okay. Yeah. So you understand the idea of a prime, right? Like somebody entering their, everybody understands yeah. this, right? the Somebody entering their prime. Do you think America is past or pre-prime oh past. I, do you think okay. people are gonna okay. no, I, I, th oh, I think mean? it'll go in waves i think it'll go in waves i think that okay. right now we have certain things that we're no, no, but I, mean, what I think what i think yeah. what what remus is saying is that the economic incentives and the structure of the sort of like neoliberal consensus about economics and geopolitics it's sort of like it's it's designed not designed but rather it, it manifested as such as like really any alternative is unthinkable. Like, what are we going to do? Are we going to have some kind of like FDR style, like make work project in America where I mean, like, like even with I'm Trump, saying. like the whole thing about manufacturing coming back, I hate to say it, mm. but like the way things are now, it's kind of a it's not going to fucking happen. No, no. Why the fuck would they do that? Why would manufacturing come back to the United States when it already exists? Like you're not, People are not understanding the idea that the, the the buck is like you've already been punched. You're just realizing it. Yep. Like you you've just noticed the damage, but it doesn't mean that you haven't been getting hit for the last thirty years. You're not even understanding that you're in a fight, or you are, but you're pretending like I don't really care that this guy's hitting me. Noticing he, is the is. first part. If yes, you notice, I, I, I fully agree. And and. And the reason that I brought I, I say that all the time, but the reason that I brought up Prime is this, is, is that it's very rare for something to re-enter. Like, the Prime is sort of a one-time deal. You don't get that twice or three or four times. Uh, China, I don't think, is re-entering a Prime either. That's not what I mean. They're just, they're just I don't know, it's like momentum right now. Uh, but And they're playing the game smart. It's, 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 a, uh, it's a calculated game that yeah, I feel like... They're riding a wave, kind of. Yeah, and well, I, I feel like, of, uh, yeah, they kind of are, and it does come I, up. In, I feel like the United States is kind of hedging its bets, like the, at least the power hmm. structure is hedging its bets. It's not. It's not that they're um, uh, the 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 culture. It's more like the apparatus that is that wields the United States like a glove is realizing that there's a there's a more useful glove over there now, and we kind of yeah. got to take glove, this one off. It's cool. It's fine. People love this glove. It's really good, and, and everybody has a lot of good memories on it, and it's still useful. But it's not the. It's it's not, it's like it's losing its prime gloveness. There's there's another glove coming. It's uh, not. It's ready. It's ready to hand. It's broken. The glove is off. Ex <laughs> exactly. It's a little. Yeah. It's getting. It's getting shoddy and rough, and and, mm -hmm. and there's a new one that's but, kind but of. With that being said, we still have to factor in like the re the reality that all of this is predicated upon being comfortable with like untold degrees of human misery in yeah no yeah, China, exactly. taiwan right. and other exactly. places right exactly. so yeah mm. and and if that's if that's been the the well not africa to... because of course china's moving into africa yeah. okay well, wait wait well, first well, of all first of all if that's not new that's not new uh, again no, my family's african since... right they've been doing yeah. this forever for, for a very long time china's been slowly mm. creeping into africa and just buying up everything mm -hmm. and that that's ubiquitous that's the whole continent is like that basically there's some countries where it's a little bit it's different it's one it's a it's not china it's a different country but the whole continent's basically bought and sold 
at this point. And the idea that that isn't going to be developed, like people talk about Africa as though it's been exploited. And that's a fucking joke. It hasn't even begun the way yeah. in which Africa can really be beginning. exploited. <laughs> exactly. The way in which Africa can truly be exploited. Listen, the, the natural environments, the ecosystems, the animals, that shit all dies almost first. It's like the, that's like the preempt to the real raping of the, of the land. And, and that's, that's what will happen. Like, at least with America, and, and, and as much as it begrudges me to say it, because America bothers me a lot uh, as an apparatus, not as a people, um is at least with america there's some sort of semblance of shame like there's a pretension of shame they pretend that they're like oh well we can't just like completely destroy everything like we have to like still pretend that we like the world mm -hmm. and like making things nice and and, and, and i think that there are still China people out that. there who uh, are yeah. actual like moral agents and uh, yeah. don't want these things to happen for real and uh, i don't but, think that uh, china doesn't have that it's just that it's just that the chinese apparatus is so much more, yeah, no, their whole system uh, is... It's so much more unquiet, like, unflint. you can't, it's like, um, it's like the way people talk about Stalin's Russia, like, you, you can't even, you can't even not do the, the Stalin dance when you're alone. <laughs> yes. Like, you have to do the dance all the time, because... Or like, or like chance, Miles China, I yeah, was uh, in, in the, the documentary. There's a, there's a little kid looking through the fucking window, you're gonna get informed on, and they're gonna kill you, yeah. so, you, like... Well, in, in that documentary, by the way, there was a scene they were talking about how the teachers, like the students were punishing the teachers and had yeah. the teachers sing the song saying, like, I am a demon, and they had to keep singing, and if they didn't sing, they'd get beat up. <laughs> so, yeah, it's a horrible uh, situation. But, Zachary, do you agree or disagree that America is past its prime, or do you think that uh, America can come back in a certain in a certain form? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm... I'm far from an expert on these things. I haven't thought much about these these topics. I think, uh, you know, with the combination of the the automation stuff, you know, that that's a big factor too. Um, so I, yeah, I, I I've been pessimistic for a while about the economic future of America, um, but other than that, I don't have much much to add there. Now I I am willing I to, to explore. Uh, oh, go on. No, well, like, how does this factor into? Uh like your research with poker and behavioral psychology, like what, what is, um, I, I'm assuming you apply game theory to poker or is that your forte or is it more so, um, applying like the tells of different people and the strategies that people have, like, are like, is the way, is it similar? Like the way you are, like, for example, a poker master, is that similar to deciphering how people are broken down into like, instrumentalized units of behavior and motivation like how like what is your basic thesis on like oh well uh yeah i mean i, I wouldn't say I, i'm definitely not a poker master like there's there's poker strategy and then there's you know what i've focused on which is the behavior stuff and like there's people that you know there's tons of people better than me with the strategy there's people that have experts in game theory and you know poker is a super complex game so i just wanted to say that um but yeah i don't really you know the connection between the poker stuff and the real world stuff i don't like to i, I don't draw much of a distinct uh, correlation there i feel like there's lots of people that there's also like behavior experts who try to act like they can actually read all these real, real world scenarios and i think most of them are full of shit like all these people that go on tv and are like they did this with their you know face and this means that it's like most those people are just bullshitting um, like yuri geller right like that kind of like it's 
on a similar level in some regards, the level of bullshitting, right? Yeah, maybe not that, maybe not the bending. No, level, yeah. But, uh, yeah, yeah, but I, I agree. Like, I, I criticize these guys because they'll, like, they won't go off on a limb unless they're, like, absolutely sure of something. They'll be like, oh, they did this and this means this. And, like, in a spot where, like, most people would know the person's lying and they would, it's already known, but they don't. Anyway, uh, but yeah, I don't really draw much correlation there. I kind of just like poker is a very specific thing. And then my real world stuff is like pretty separate from it. You know, it's the, it's, I guess it just ties together because I like thinking about people's behavior and stuff. Go on. But do you think there's like any like overlap? Like here, for example, comes as part of you like want to like read into like people too much. Because I feel like if I was a poker player, I'd do that. Or you, you can like properly distance yourself from, what you do in poker and then like none of this you don't carry any of the skills over even subconsciously do you think just like completely yeah, separate I don't, I don't think so i see it as separate i mean like uh, you know I, I think people would be tempted to like say oh yeah it's i'm reading people all the time but or something i have that in, you know I, I have that incentive i think but honestly like it's such a different sphere it's like poker is such a formalized environment where you're making mm -hmm. these very you know you, you constantly get in these same situations and you have to make the similar motions and you have to say similar things so there's all these similar situations that come up whereas like in real life situations like the, there's so many factors that could be present like somebody sounds like they're nervous but it could be because you know it doesn't mean they're lying it could just be because they're speaking in front of a crowd or they're, they're saying something sensitive and they're nervous so there's just so many factors and i think that's what bugs me about these behavior experts where they're like this means this and it's like really the guy could have just been you know you just don't know why he did that really there's just so many factors behind the scenes i mean i i'm a big believer in verbal stuff like I, if you if anyone's interested in reading verbal tells I'm, I'm a big believer in that because that's like actual logical stuff like this person said this and there's probably a reason for why they phrased it this way that stuff is great and there's a great book by mark mcclish called uh, i know you're lying which is just a great book and kind of inspired me because i wrote a, a verbal poker tells book but yeah, it's, it's so, such different spheres. Like usually in, in real world situations, like I'll, I'll interpret like verbal stuff, but most people's, I think it's kind of like a, to a certain extent, it can be a dead end trying to like interpret all the re different reasons somebody's behaving a certain way in certain spots. And I think that's, that is what bugs me about, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the so-called behavior experts, because they'll pretend like they, they have some like really deep read of like these minute spots where I just don't believe they do. I think well, it's, it's like um it's, it's like with uh the idea of um uh uh when they they say that they understand why somebody's like you're 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 attacking sort of the idea that people can constantly know the tell and they're ignoring the context like with the poker right that's the that's the real thing there there's a framework you understand why everybody's doing everything that they're doing in poker because there's one goal right it's game uh, versus, you know, just a random conversation, you don't actually know, it's, you don't know the goals of almost anybody that you're speaking to, unless it's very specific context, right? Exactly. So yeah, exactly. That, yeah. yeah, that tell, that tell can be completely, completely different. Like, I, I was thinking about, you know, the poker versus, you know, a, another great example, even in, in something as simple as, like, video games, there's massive amounts of tells, like, especially if you talk to fighting game players, right? It's, the way in which people move do all of the little reactionary stuff can tell you so much about the way in which that person processes what they're doing how they're approaching you know every every aspect of the game right games are the best example of this i think that's why they're so fun that's why i like me personally that's why i like games so much because it's not about winning or losing anymore it's 
about learning about other people mm-hmm. and trying to figure out who they are. Like, I love playing. Um, uh, I like playing certain types of games with certain types of people because you really get to learn who they like. D and D is excellent for this. It's kind of like a personality test uh, in a weird way because you you get to learn what people are like when they're completely uninhibited and it doesn't matter what they do and they can be however they want. Would you right? say astrology and, for men? Would you say that D and D is astrology for men? There, in a way, in a way, definitely. You can you can, I, I I find it annoying when people do that whole like you're this class in real life because it's just like no i'm not um but you can if you've ever played D with a group of people you, or, or even your friends you will find out a lot more about them as human beings while doing it even if it's in a way that you don't necessarily expect like it may not be in a sincere way you just find that your friend is really annoying when they have to be like you would never want to do improv with them because they just can't take something seriously or they like ruining uh, moments for people because they're annoying or like whatever they, they can't allow other people to be the center of attention or there's lots of different ways in which this manifests, you know, but I like uh, need to subtweet like... man. Jesus. All right. I get it. <laughs> even, like... <laughs> <laughs> well, even like scamsters, like who's the one guy that, uh, like the flex god himself what's his name dan bozerian is he like a poker <laughs> he looks so weird without the beard by the way how how could that guy There's ever pictures be... of him like, without a beard he... he's the worst bluffer his whole life is a bluff like everything Apparently... he's doing is like dude, everything is like it. rented or everything's like bought on commission yeah. from his Isn't he also parents short? corporation yeah. he's very short isn't he created the image pretty well so yes he did he, from yes, a marketing he standpoint it's pretty vapid yeah oh no he he's smart in that regard there's a lot of guys on twitter that are currently that have been aping him basically the entire time he's the oh model my go- he's oh the- my god without a beard he goes from like a 10 to uh i think that's a fake image by the like way i think th- th- this one okay this one's real i think this image is real there was another one that's a fake but this yeah, is the that- one oh, he doesn't show know. his chin though why is he hiding his chin that's is he not, wearing that's... like multiple coats though? Is he a bit chunky? I can't tell. I don't know. He just like he looks a bit fit is... there. He's got like Andre the Giant hands. You see that? My yeah, God. wow. Holy crap. That's a weird photo. I'm He's got Andre weird. the Giant face too. I don't, like that. I don't like that photo. <laughs> that's all the Take GHB away, probably. That's probably <laughs> yeah. Take the photo away, Lev. I don't like it. Oh, his skull. You feel yeah, by this giant man you in. It's <laughs> creepy. It weirds me out. I don't know. It's such a weird photo. The proportions feel wrong. I don't know. I don't like it. Don't like. But, it. Paul, but right there. By the yeah. way, uh, by the way, Zachary. Uh, before before we go, I wanted to ask you uh, about whether you can tell certain things on people's faces. Like you see my face, the way I talk, other people. Like people talk about there being like. Uh, Sempaku eyes. I don't know if I'm saying that correctly. Senpaku. Do you know what? Sempaku eyes. You know where you can tell like somebody's crazy by like when they have like that kind of uh, expression. Is there something to that? I'm just curious. Uh, I mean, yeah, like like I said, I don't I don't do that. Uh, I don't really do that in much real life situations. I mean, I, I feel like I'm you know decent at like getting a vibe of what what people are are thinking and their emotions, but I don't. I don't spend time I, on that in generally in, in, yeah. in these situations because I feel like it, yeah, there's just so many factors and I feel like it's kind of just, the, well, even well, if I reached say, a conclusion, they would be yeah. so often wrong. It's kind of like, is it worth well, what it? If, what if, um, uh, and I don't know if you have a girlfriend, but like if you were to meet somebody, like would you use your superpowers to, uh, you know, tell certain... <laughs> 
It sounds like a movie Thanks. you're talking about. Like, yeah, I, I don't have any superpowers. I just I just studied poker a lot. That's all. It's limited. Well, well, I don't like things exactly you said earlier. Uh, when you said uh, it's hard to tell what someone's intention is in a conversation, even in business negotiations, most people don't set that intention before going in. So they're very unfocused and they don't even know what they want for themselves generally. So if you go in with an intention, you usually have an advantage. And uh, even in like micro sort of uh, meetings between people, if you have a general sense of your mission or, or what you are, you'll be more focused and more principled in that way. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I mean, and to, I will say, uh, like, I, I believe in reading people, but I think most of the value comes from examining the verbal stuff because there's just, if you read some of those resources out there on that stuff, that stuff, like, changed my way of thinking about so many verbal things. And, you know, I've been, you know, I, I, so I recommend that stuff, like, if you're if you're if you're focused on like negotiations, the, the value of examining the verbal stuff is like, you know, fifty times the value of like trying to like examine these little behavioral gestures or whatever, you know. Well, that means you're in luck because we have people here like Hero or like Conscious Moss that have avatars, but you're still still able to hear their voice. So are there certain vocal things that you notice? Because I know, like, in California, and I think Hero can talk about this, and it's much beyond California, but there is, what do you, is it called, upspeak, or it's like, when they talk like this, oh, yeah, da, da, da. Yeah, yeah. So where, <laughs> so what exactly is going on there? Like, where does that come from, this particular, like, as far as why somebody would speak like that? I have not, I haven't thought much about that one. Well, like, uh... Up talk is a way of not having to make a statement so everything is a question mm. so it, it kind of protects you from that having to uh, hold yeah. down a position that's a good it's point kind yeah of a, a passive it kind is of... kind of a defense mechanism in a sense yeah just go to any um prominent blue check mark on twitter and read their tweets that's the up talk right there <laughs> you'll, you'll find one of two people especially around here you'll get um you'll get the up talk or you'll get people that talk in really slow, passive, aggressive, like over explaining types, or then you get a mix of both. And those are my favorites. <laughs> the best California slang is hella. Hella. Yeah. Y'all are Canada. late with that, man. You guys are like picking that up now. I was like, no, no, I've been overusing, rolling with that for years. People have been like overusing oh, that God. since like 2010. You, you guys are like way behind. I was using it in 2010. Uh, I love <laughs> hella. That's some hella based shit right there. You know Let's why? Because that, oh, no. that was from the South Park episode, right? Oh, you know what that reminds me of? It reminds me of Life is Strange, that fucking annoying game. Where that, what's her name? <laughs> this is hella cringe. This is what... Oh, fuck that game. Fuck Life is Strange. It pisses me off. Remember when they tried to do like a... Uh, Brits are not allowed to talk about annoying speech. Yes, I am. Thank you very yes, much. Yes, I am. <laughs> yes, I am. Our speech is like fine to us. I get yeah, but now, but now uh, a lot of American else. parlance is getting... is making it its way to Britain now in certain mm, subcultures. No yeah. good. No, this is why I enjoy speaking with British people so much and why I have myself on the show all the time. Because there is something about the accent that is just, I don't know, it's so it's charming. It's the accent plus the anger. It's the accent plus like, exactly. the energy. It's just the, like, yes. oi, mate, fucking... <laughs> Hello, Gavna. Yeah. Hello, Gav. Everyone needs a slight, <laughs> slightly cockney 
angry man in their life. Yes. Okay. I want to hear more of Goblin Ewan. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, he made Goblin Ewan. He wants a coin. Oh, by the way, my, oh my, my one regret, my one regret that we did not show TJ Davis North FC. Uh, and, and I guess I will leave this <laughs> oh uh, leave this particular episode with Come this to Zachary. Come on, England. Uh, Zachary, have you ever heard of North North FC? Do you know what North FC? North FC. It's this meme of like <laughs> lower class British people that uh, go to soccer soccer games, and it's it's based on. I think it's based uh, on the Arsenal. There's a YouTube yes, channel. Yes, Arsenal. Yeah, yeah. It's um, based off for the Arsenal, like a bunch of Arsenal uh, like soccer fan who they're essentially like 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 endorsed hooligans. I don't even know how to describe it. But there's a bunch of dudes that are basically at every game at the Arsenal, <laughs> at the Arsenal Stadium, and they will, uh, you know, the, the North. Is that Gio? Is that Gio? <laughs> Who made that? I just made it quickly, man. Who did that? Oh my god! I don't know why I did it. I just did it. You, you know, better you make know that, your that you know that Teletubbies you is, mine, is CIA mind control, right? Like that. <laughs> Yeah, I, uh, I love, I love yeah. how much our buddy Matt uses the North FC memes. It's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh man. We, what are we even doing right now? Hmm? No, well, this Talk is the York, end of the show, man. and I just want to thank Zachary Elwood. Thank you so much for coming in. You were a superstar. I really appreciate you talking with us about this, and we need to make more of these kind of connections because, like, you don't really get that much of a chance to speak to <laughs> the, the, this particular kind of a uh, crowd over here. Thank uh, God. Right? I mean, it's just... <laughs> yes, on, he, yes, he could say that. North think... FC enthusiasts. Exactly. That's a good I did way to put say, it. I want to say a quick thing I want to say is like, I know you, you guys are probably in some weird sections of the internet. So, and I sometimes like do like random investigations or research on stuff. So if anybody ever sees anything that might, you think I might be interested in looking into more, let me know. Cause I, I, I sometimes get like random tips from people and I'm like, Oh, that is weird. I'm a, and no one's covering it. You know, that's the weird thing. A lot of, a lot of mainstream stuff doesn't cover some interesting stuff going on. And so I like to throw that out there. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, and here's one um, North FC, North Tech. So this is like the futuristic North FC. And over here it says nonce. You know, this is like a nonce detecting robot. But anyway, no, we were definitely going to do that. And also, I highly recommend for you, to uh, Zachary, to join our Discord server. I would love to have you as a guest there. I don't know if you ever used Discord before, but it's a really yeah. great community. And we post about a lot of uh, different, very interesting things. And, uh, you know, I think this is really is like where a lot of the action is, where a lot of these memes and new ideas start fomenting but what's really important is for people to be able to be grounded to the conversations that are going on outside as well uh you know with uh people who would have insight that uh people who are like m very online may forget about or may not take into consideration i think it's extremely important and this is why btr has always been for me this fusion of being able to have these different sites talk to each other and learn from each other and help uh, fill all the gaps. So I am very grateful for you being here. And once again, Zachary Elwood, I would love to promote your uh, your work. So you can go to, first of all, you can go to Zachary's Twitter, which is a poker player. When did you get that? That would that would have gone really fast, that particular Yeah, you would have thought, but I mean, I... Maybe not though. I, yeah, I've had it for what since 2010. 2010, yeah. yes. Yeah. That's pretty and late. I'm surprised met, nobody picked that up. 
Yeah, I was kind of surprised. Yeah. And I meant it kind of in a humble way. Like I'm just a poker player, but I think people had the perception like, Hey, he's a poker player. Like I, I didn't mean it like that. Well, you and didn't he, call yourself the poker player. Yeah, the poker player. It's just a one of many. Exactly. Zach, I'm going to radicalize you into the PLO lifestyle. Four oh, cards. Yeah. So much more action. Yeah, yeah. Come yeah, on, man. man. Yeah, yeah. I, I know about it. I just, it's another game I would have to spend a lot of time getting good at. <laughs> I know, it's fair, fair. And be You're sure. And, and, and be sure to uh, follow uh, uh, the uh, podcast of Zachary over here, People Who Read People. So I have the link in the chat over here for everybody. Be sure to follow him there. Follow uh, follow him on Twitter. And uh, anything else you would like me to plug? No, no, I appreciate the invite. And I, I think it is important to have more conversations about, like, tough topics. So I, I appreciate that you're trying to do that. And I think, um, yeah, I think you, if you're into that kind of stuff, I think, you'd like my podcast because i think i kind of in that same realm of trying to have some tough conversations so uh yeah thanks for having me on thank you you. and and guys thank you so much for being here uh metaphor man everybody follow the man of metaphors and i'm not going to pressure you into creating a metaphor uh but whenever you want to uh the door is always open for new metaphors and uh please follow metaphor man over here shit biscuit so here's the Twitter account and uh, follow Apple Dog Lives. Why, why are you called Apple Dog, by the way? So um, my old aunt was like near my apple pie or something like that. And some, some I was going to say bitch, but I'll say some lady. Um, <laughs> some I've, had the, I've had um, the, uh, the Muttley avatar from Wacky Racers and she called me apple dog but she was like shitting on me i just thought it sounded funny so people started just saying like apple dog and kind of caught on so i put oh yeah yeah and so i asked someone to put i just shopped the apple on top of muttley's head so everyone kept saying apple dog and then i got suspended and i thought i was just suspended for seven days so i was like fuck it i don't have to think of a good app we'll just do apple dog lives and now I just haven't changed it. So that's the origin of the name. I kind of nice. rambled for a second, but yeah. So and, we're, uh, we're sticking with it. Excellent. And be sure to follow Hero Alchemy on Twitter as well. I, I, and have, my, I, have, an, I have an announcement really quickly. Ooh, okay. Uh, Here we go. So coming out of the closet. <laughs> <laughs> that was years ago. No, uh, we're... Um, uh, since this is still technically a, a Sonic Edition stream, yes, uh, I'd like to inform you guys that me and the lovely Cha Cha Shakalaka will at some point in the future be doing a Sonic Adventure 2 all stories race between us, and it'll be on his Twitch channel, which is twitch.tv slash Cha Cha Shakalaka. Be sure to catch that. I will be tweeting about it on my Twitter when that happens. Love, would love for you to, to come and visit and hang out for that. That'd be a lot of I, fun. I would love that, but man, this is a very hard name to write down, but I think I did it here. Twitch.tv slash Shakalaka. I think I got cha-cha, it right. Cha-cha Shakalaka. Is this yep, it? That's is him. this it? That's the boy. Excellent. Yeah, so guys, be sure to follow uh, Chasha Shakalaka. Make it happen, and I would love to... Uh, do that you know me and sonic the hedgehog i've just begun to talk about sonic here's what's going down i'm gonna do my own streams which is gonna be me in front of a fireplace a real fireplace with firewood talking about sonic it's fireside gonna... chat with not dennis Fire... prager exactly it's good <laughs> it's gonna happen and uh, myself full rundown exactly of, uh, i shall of... oh, let me mention christian this stream no 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 christian this stream no no talk about sonic nearly enough yeah i know but 
<laughs> but before we leave, I do have to blame Lev for something because it just wouldn't okay. be a stream if I didn't. Sure. And uh, that I, so I blame Lev for my addiction to VR chat. And also, <laughs> I now own a VR set. And this is all Yo, because Lev did a presentation. Nice. Oh Lev God. did a presentation. And I literally left the presentation like before it was over to download VR things. Now I can't stop. This is blamed on you. The end. I can't. I can't stop it. Do you have like this an is anime why she character? She doesn't talk to her friends anymore. Yes, yeah. She's obsessed with VR chat. That's not true, Hero. <laughs> Moss and be sure, and be sure to follow Conscious <laughs> Moss on tw on Twitter as well. Be sure to be sure to follow. <laughs> what is, what is <laughs> what the... Oh yeah, oh, there it is. Stop. Do I have permission to make that my Twitter header? Yeah. Okay. Do okay, yeah. Permission you. for me. Okay. Okay. We're we're gonna finish off here. Okay. Uh, Alexandra Porco Rosso flies again. This is your Twitter handle. Everybody hey, yes, follow sir. follow yes, Alexandra. Do. Sorry I wasn't super chatty this chat. I came in late. Um yeah, but that's, next time that's fine. You're hundred I'll be back to a hundred, you know. Excellent. I look forward to that. And yeah. uh myself oh and of course Remus. Remus uh, is your Twitter okay or have they, yeah, have okay, they so the king has me, returned? Just, yeah, let me just qu quickly run down what happened real fast. Okay, so uh some dude uh I'm not gonna mention names or anything like that but uh i don't know there was a thread detailing the uh, concept of ugliness and i uh i uh made the claim that uh, you don't have to be ugly you know what i mean and uh yes. and then i was suspended for that um and because uh, of the recent phone troubles that i had i was uh not confident to put my phone number into uh the uh twitter app to let me unlock my goddamn account uh, so it took me a little while to do that. And then it restarted the timer. You know what I mean? So I, I, I was actually suspended oh. for like almost two weeks. Yeah. And then the best part was like about three days towards the end of my suspension. You know how if, you, if you're locked, you can't, you can't, obviously you can't tweet or like or retweet, re, uh, retweet anything, but you can still look at your TL and look at your messages and stuff. Yeah. No. My shit was getting destroyed. Like every time that I looked at anything, it essentially would just infinite loop on the screen of telling you how long your lock is done. Like it was just like mocking me. Um, oh, man. And yeah. And so, uh, yeah, Twitter was upset with me. But uh, yes, I am back now. Um, very Excellent. soon. Once once uh, things are a little bit different in my living situation, just the way that uh, things are set up, um, I'm probably going to start doing some sort of... Um, I have ideas for for some sort of show oh, or yeah. podcast like that. Uh, for I'd like to um, sort of plumb the uh, the depths of our some of the um, guest base here and 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 things like that uh, to to have discussions on some interesting topics. But uh, yes, I'm back now. You can uh, follow me at uh, at my at at Cal Defender. Always um, follow me for love uh, dumb bullshit on on Twitter. Yeah. And I'm so happy that uh, we're able to create this because, you know, we have people who come on and then they start their podcasts and we have uh, people like Zachary who has a wonderful podcast and he comes on and see uh, this. See you, Zachary. Thank you so off. much for All coming right. in. Yeah. And Thanks, this bye. is something that creates a butterfly effect where people start creating their own podcasts from ours or invite people on theirs. And uh, it's a beautiful thing. I love to see it. Lastly, we have, but not leastly, we have Peter Faust and myself. I know myself. You hate Twitter. You are not on Twitter. Do you have <laughs> well, I was going to say I was going to say something about Twitter, but I'll say something else instead. So, yes. 
basically, I will probably end up creating someday, but for now, even though I want to say a lot, eh, we'll just move on. Oh, oh, people are doing well. You'll, you'll find them on. in Discord. You'll chill. find myself find in, Discord. in Discord. You want to speak to me, you want to do something cool or whatever, you think will be cool for something good, but I'll keep mine brief because everyone likes to talk. I'll be the one that keeps brief. We'll let everyone else you speak quit, today. Quit being a loser and come have fun with us on Twitter. Uh, I'm not being a loser. I don't I don't uh... like Twitter. No, I don't like Twitter. What do you mean I'm not being... <laughs> Uh, and here is the. Uh, uh, I'm not on something that you are. That means you're not. Com- no, I just don't like Twitter, man. And and here is the like Discord it. link over here. So guys, follow us on Discord. So Join our Discord server. Look, we already have. We're gonna get me into Twitter. We're gonna have a bit of a little thing here if you're gonna try and get me on Twitter. Why can't we just chill, man? Like, what do you want me to like do on Twitter? Go, lol. I'm gonna do a. I'm gonna post an image. I can do shit on YouTube, whatever. I don't see the point of Twitter. Like, I don't. Like I'd rather just talk. Like, no, but you can find new people. people. You can find new people on Twitter. This is how I found Zachary. I found him through Twitter, and uh, I find a lot of people through Twitter, and it's uh, it's very good. And can Metaphor Man, I love I love the fact that I can see your face now. You have a, you have a, like, you have great uh, energy. Twitter is only fans for no. Sorry, that's that's Substack. Twitter <laughs> is the only fans for pseudo intellectuals. Mm. True. And uh, by the way, speaking of real intellectuals, you guys have to follow Giovanni Penichetti. So yeah. YouTube oh, YouTube no channel problem. over here. <laughs> and uh, here it is, Giant Art Productions. Uh, and you, you have a new video that you recently did. And, uh, well, two it, if you... But, like, two, yeah, yeah. The Thomas777 and the yeah, private little... I no, appreciated my, my that little video. rumination on Thomas. I've got something to say to you because Gio Gio wants me to. Gio's like big on me doing Twitter stuff. Gio, if you send me, I will even do this. I think this might be a decent idea. If you send me like a bunch of Twitter stuff, you want me to like fucking react to or whatever. Just like people (laughs) being dumb on Twitter, then fucking feel free. I'll make a YouTube video or whatever reacting to dumb Twitter stuff. I can do that. Won't take long. So I could do that if you want. So 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 here is uh, what else is going down today. Uh, not today. What am I talking about? In the next couple of weeks, I am scheduling so many things ahead of time, and it's important that I do so. Okay, so we are going to have the Cyberpunk stream coming Tuesday, March second. So this coming Tuesday with uh, MK Ultra Money, Zero mm. HP Lovecraft, Chaos Prime, Ostov crunches the numbers, uh, and then we are going to have another free for all Friday. Friday, March 5. I am going to find a lot of very interesting people for that one. Everybody's invited. And we are going to have an entertainment stream Tuesday, March 9, about the state of entertainment. And I'm looking for great Twitter accounts related to that particular subject, people who have been in entertainment. I want to get celebrities. I want to find some maybe Malcolm McDowell. I want to talk to him about Caligula. But anyway, uh, we're going to do a Thursday, March 11th stream on Europe. And one of our guests is Alexander Bard. He is back and he is joining us for that, as well as Ronan McRae. And Ronan McRae uh, studied law and later politics. And he is now professor of constitutional and European law at University College London. Uh, myself, is that a good school? What, what's a good school? Sorry, I, you, I had like uni- three things going on in a second. University College London. Sorry, I don't go to university. I don't like university. So you, you're asking the wrong person here. Okay, well you're Ask the only anyone, literally anyone. You're else. the only. You're the only Englishman here. So. Well, I don't know. University of London's like. It's university not really College. It's basically Oxford, Cambridge, and then everything else you kind of go to if you're not snobby enough and you're just kind of normal. So it's probably. Okay, normal. it says over here University College yeah, London. Normal. 
is a public research university located in London. It's member... not, yeah, but it's not going to tell you about that there. It's going to give you the Wikipedia thing. It's not going to give you the culture there, Lev. I don't know enough about the culture to okay. give you a good thing. It's just okay. going to give you... Uh, Cambridge is a place that is posh. It's not even going to say that. It's going to give you Wikipedia. You're not going to get anything from it. So. That's fine. All right, guys, this is it. This is the end of the stream. I love you all. You guys are great. And we are going to keep doing this. And much love to everybody. I am just aimlessly searching for the button here it is oh hold on hold on that. peter faust uh, oh oh we already had that okay no more super chats no more super chats all right take care guys Mwah. i love you Bye bye